1: Alright, welcome everybody. Welcome to episode number 82 of Sports Cards Live. Today is February the 20th, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee and I am happy to be here tonight with you. And we have our guest Mike Phillips from Upper Deck. He will be coming out shortly before we bring him out. I do want to thank last Saturday's guest, Patrick Bet david What an amazing episode that was. Thanks everybody for checking that out. If you have not yet, please go check that out. It is on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. I also want to thank Carvin Chung, who came in and uh, tagged in for Patrick at the one-hour mark. Awesome to have Carvin come in and help debrief the first half of that show. And I want to thank James Hummel, who joined me on the After Hours show last Saturday night. Coming up on March the 6th, two Saturdays from now, Brian Gray from Leaf will be joining me. He recently purchased the Pro Set brand, so we're looking forward to having him on the show. Tonight on After Hours, my guest is Adam Gray, the Real 27 guy, editor-in-chief of the basketball card fanatic and a favorite guest of all of yours. Looking forward to having him on a couple hours from now. We are closing in on 2,300 subscribers. Thanks to each and every one of you. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so greatly appreciate it. I want to uh, do a couple of shout outs here very quickly for the big three hockey on Instagram. Give these guys a follow. They showcase the finest singles on in the hobby Great guys, supporters of the channel, give them a checkout. And I also want to let you guys know, I heard back from Brad from PSA Canada. He let me know that they were able to secure the same pricing from PSA for March as they did for their February submission. The email, a lot of people asked me for their email address. There it is on the ticker right now, PSA grading, PSA Canada grading at gmail.com. Send Brad an email, Brad and Len, and they will be happy to help you out if you are sending cards to PSA from Canada. All right, let's get to tonight's guest. Tonight's guest got his start in the hobby in 1977 when his mother, driving home from work, brought him packs of baseball cards. When friends were selling lemonade, he was selling cards. He ran a card shop in the early 90s, and he worked at Fleer from 1995 till 2000 when he joined Upper Deck, where he still works to this day. He is a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers, the Eagles, the Phillies, and the Sixers. Favorite athletes are Tiger Woods and Eric Lindros let's bring him out right now mike Phillips welcome to episode 82 of sports cards live how are you doing tonight my friend I'm doing great thank you for having me i really appreciate it and I'm impressed you're doing a
0: show after this did you say <laughs> i am, mike. I, am mike I appreciate
1: your i appreciate your dedication i really do uh, thanks matt i'll tell you what happened e- early on i was doing the first show and at the, you know we'd be finished on a Saturday night and people would be like keep going go for hour three go for hour three and i thought a three-hour stream on the on the YouTube channel. Who's going to watch that? Never mind a two-hour. So we just do a brand new show, bring on another guest, and have a little bit of a a real more relaxed sort of a, sort of show. But listen, we've got we've got great uh, great viewership already here. Thanks everybody for joining us. This is Mike Phillips. He is the executive vice president of sales and marketing at Upper Deck. And we got a lot to talk about. So let's jump right in. I want to start off with a with a fun sort of question, Mike. I mean, we talked about this the other day. You know, I grew up dreaming of working at a card company. I never did. You got to live that dream. How fortunate do you feel to work for Upper Deck and just at a card company right now? Ah, uh, I'm uh I I every day I think about it honestly, Jeremy. Every day I, you know, I,
0: I appreciate that great intro also. And it's true, like when I was a kid, and even when I was, you know, in high school, let's say I I thought, you know, wow, what an unbelievable job it would be to work at a card company. Like it was a dream. Right. And uh, to be able to not only get to do that, but to do that for as long as I have, I, I am blessed. And I honestly like, you know, when when you 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 know you have some ups, up days and down days, just like any other job. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking about the fact that I get to do something that I love, that I truly love to do. And I see people who work and just to go through the grind every day, and I feel bad for them because uh, I, I get to do something that I honestly love and enjoy doing, and it's it's um, I I I never take for granted how fortunate I am to have that. I never do.
1: Well, and you've been a hobbyist, a collector your whole life, pretty much. Give uh, yeah. give the audience and myself a little bit of uh, insight into your current collection. What do you actually collect for yourself? What are your hobby pursuits uh, that are ongoing right now?
0: So, yeah, I mean, as you said, I, I got started collecting baseball cards when I was a little kid. My mom used to buy me packs at the drugstore. And uh, and then I got to, when I, as I got older, I got to ride my bike and buy them for myself. And uh, I really just have just always had that bug, always have. And uh, collected my whole life, never got rid of anything. I still have everything I, I, I bought when I was a kid. I'm one of the few, uh, you know, you always hear those stories about everybody who doesn't. Uh, but, um, you know, working in the in the business as long as I have um, I'm probably I don't know if jaded's the right word but I'm around it all the time so it is a little bit of a different feel so I don't collect like in the way that I used to I I I enjoy love going to the national every year unbelievably missed event last year Uh, uh, very very sad I know you go every year and when I go to that show and when I'm or when I'm scouring ebay or wherever i I like to find things that are unique a couple things i really like i I collect uncut sheets which is pretty unusual uh because i know how how um how unmainstream, how difficult they are to find they're they're not something that that are you know readily available which i also like um they take up a lot of space which my wife does not like Uh, Mm -hmm. uh but they display beautifully and and I also like uh, I like to try to get things that are personalized. If I'm ever going out and getting something signed, I always have it signed to me. I I, I don't do it for the the future value. I I really take pride in getting something that's personalized to me. And and honestly, I even uh, full disclosure, I do go out there all the time, uh, particularly on eBay, and look for items that are personalized to Mike because I do have a common name.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, and it's <laughs> not you know. So it may not be necessarily originally signed to me, but when I get in it, I feel like, kind of like it has been. So, uh, yeah, those, that's really what I collect. And uh, and I have a lot of I, I have a I have a nice collection of things that I that I was able to work on over the years as well.
1: That's pretty yeah. cool. That, that, that's yeah. really cool. Thanks for that. So the next topic we're going to discuss is a bit about your time at FLIR and some of the projects you were involved in then, a bit of your history in, in the hobby. Before we do though, Mike, let's just say hello to some of the people we have in the chat here. I'm going to run through it. We got HockeyCod. Good evening to you. Fowl5ball joins us as always. Rocco Rosado. Happy to have you. 90s hockey. Great show. My buddy Joe from Santa Cruz is here. BT. Been looking forward to this one. Jeff McMahon, good evening. Dennis, happy to have you as always. My man Sam. Lowell's here again. Hello, Lowell. Terry Fortune. Frankie, awesome to have you. Says another great show. Thank you, Frankie. Ryan is here. He's watching Flames Hockey. You're going to have to keep me posted on the score in the Flames game, please. Brent Criswell, thank you, Brent. Great to have you. Nick, good to see you. Huge customer. This is for you, Mike. Hockey Cod says huge customer here. Thank you very much. That's very nice. Just inventory. The great guests keep on coming. I'm trying, Justin. I'm trying. Al, good evening to you. Donnie, good evening to you. Thanks for the digital abs card today. There you go. Foul five ball. I saw my collection from when I was a kid too. Yeah, right on. Anonymous Facebook user, if you are anonymous, guys, come watch on YouTube. Come watch on YouTube. You'll even be ten seconds ahead, I believe. All time greats. Blog, Victor. Good evening. Hockey, Cod, Lee Haskins. Glad to have you, Tiger Jordan. Good to see you. Hershey's, this is better than anything from Netflix. I love to hear that. Thank you so much. Peanuts, good evening to you, Bobby. Baseball, Todd McDonald. Thank you, Todd. And my man, Charles Hind is here. All right, Mike. So you oversaw product development at FLIR. You were at FLIR from 95 till 2000. And what I didn't know, I know now, and I think some people will be interested to learn is that you were involved in some of these sets that are really making a resurgence over the last couple of years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experiences working at FLIR?
0: I tell you what, it was an amazing time. Uh, not, not just now, today, when you realize the importance of uh, of some of the things that we worked on back then, but just I'm talking about in the moment, it was just such a, such a fun place to work. Great people, um, really, really just loved what we did and, and, and really took a lot of pride in it. But I have to tell you when you, you know, not until obviously recently when after the nineties, the nineties was a very tumultuous period in this hobby, right back, back then. And, um, you know, at FLIR in particular, we were going through a bankruptcy period. We were getting sold off. So there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of uneasiness, uh, yet we still kind of focused on what we were doing and we were able to do some pretty cool things. When I first came there, uh, I, I, was working at a distributor And uh, one of my coworkers and I moved down to FLIR. We were all owned by Marvel at the time. And uh, FLIR didn't have a distribution program uh, to speak of. So our first charge was to do that. And uh, I I was able, because I was a big, big collector and and really vested in the hobby, and I was able to do some work with the product development team, eventually moved over there full time and did uh, oversee that for a couple years. I think it was from, I want to say, like uh, early 98, towards the end of 99, somewhere in that period, um, throughout, uh, throughout that time, I, I personally worked, uh, and oversaw the EX brand. Uh, so I built the EX brand, uh, and was, and that, and when I say built, that means put together, you know, came up with the insert names, sets, you know, the, the set sizes, the checklist, the, uh, ratios, names, you know, you name it, work with the designers, uh, to come up with the designs for each insert. It was, it was just, it was a dream come true. It really was. It was, uh, it was just a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we, we didn't know it then, but we were creating some pretty important sets uh, for the industry. Never in a million years did I dream that they would have the impact that they do now. Uh, yeah. I would be lying if I said that. But um, yeah, I, I, from, from, uh, I can certainly tell you some stories if you'd like about some things that went into EX-2000, 2000, EX-2001. Well, like, well, what does EX mean? The letter... Okay. Yeah, uh, it doesn't mean anything really. It was <laughs> just uh, it was it started with uh, it, truth. Truth be told, it started with emotion. You remember the emotion brand from Skybox? Uh, I think it was ninety uh, three. I think is when that came out, and uh, it, it you know there was a hyphenated e, and it was just in a time where those sort of uh, I guess you call them prefixes were kind of the thing, right? So uh, it was then taken to ex and exl. Uh, and then, uh, when I took it over in 97, we, we, uh, we made it EX 2000 kind of to bring it into that futuristic, uh, feel. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that EX 2000 was the, was the first year that I actually worked on it. And, um, it was, uh, it was just an iconic design. We took it from something that had been used a year, a couple year before, two years before one of the EX brands with that sky background in it and, uh, just loved how that looked. It was so unique. Uh, But man, oh man, I tell you what,
1: uh, it was, is it okay
0: if I go on a little uh, story here?
1: Yeah, please do. I'm just pulling out an EX card of my own just to look at it as you talk about them. So please go ahead. You're the, uh,
0: the, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't appreciate it at the time. We're talking about, uh, hard to believe we're talking about 25 years ago right now, but uh, to do those die cuts with that plastic in the middle, uh, when we were, uh, they were on, they were coming through on sheets, and they literally had to be, because of the plastic, they had, to, they had to turn the heat up in that part of the factory up over 100 degrees just to cut them, uh, to be able to cut them uh, with the three layers to soften up the plastic. Uh, so uh, so the, the production went through, and the first boxes came off when we started opening them, and it was, Jeremy, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. There was so much damage. There the, the was peeling on the, the, the interior die cut, the player, the individual player die cuts, their face would be kind of off. Uh, the registration would be off, so their face would be sm- – I mean, it was just – and I, honestly, EX2000 basketball was really close to being canceled. It was actually never – was really close to never seeing the light of day. And uh, we had. I remember the meeting like it was yesterday, and we pledged to give it one more shot. We delayed the product. And even though that is probably one of the most condition-sensitive sets ever produced, Uh, I'm thankful that it made it out and we were able to solve some things as baseball and football came out after, but it almost never came out. And if it, I, I can't even imagine what the hobby would be like without that, that product. You know, it's, it's pretty iconic.
1: Yeah. There'd be a, there'd There'd be a void for sure. For sure. What can you tell us? You know, um, it's, it's so, I think it's super cool, especially for the basketball collectors watching to hear that you created and came up with these insert names for the EX 2000 series. Um, what, what about uh, the arena, Earl and Gene uh, and from Arena Designs? I've seen them on the Cardboard Chronicles show on, on YouTube before. You worked with them. Uh, what was it like working with artists in the, in, in the context of making sports cards versus just photos?
0: Uh, well, first of all, Gene I, I, and Earl are, are two of the finest people. Forget about their talent because their talent is unrivaled, but they're, they're just great people. Uh, we had so much fun coming to work and going through this stuff every day and uh you know the 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 imagination on those two uh you know they would they would make it you know uh, such a priority to go out and find what we call in the industry substrate so those are the different different types of things you'd try to print on and they they just wanted to try all different things and we tried many of them and a lot of them really worked uh printing on metal printing on the substrates like jambalaya is printed on i mean no no one ever did anything like this before and um it was expensive uh it was and it was difficult and you know we really challenged our vendors back then uh some things that they thought when they first saw it were like there's no way and then they would be like just try and you know eventually they would get it to work but uh they're they're fantastic and uh, and i and i keep in touch with them to this day and uh and they're they're still doing design work and uh you know, they're just, they're just fantastic people. And uh, I was just privileged to work with them.
1: And they, they've they become somewhat of icons in the hobby themselves simply because they designed the precious metal gems from metal universe, which is all the rage. You were there for some of that. What do you, what do you think of what's going on lately? And I mean, you've been a part of it at upper deck, but you know, we've seen precious metal gems in uh Fleer showcase hockey uh, in the mid to mid 2010s here. Um, you know, Charles Hind has a great commentary. He says, what was it like to see your EX series come back by Upper Deck in the Flear Ultra series in the later in the later 2010s? So it ties right into what I'm asking. Like, what, what's it like to be able to draw from then and bring those popular designs back to the hobby? It's pretty awesome.
0: It's pretty. I may have had a little influence
1: on that, <laughs> uh, but it was
0: it, it really is. Uh, it really is pretty cool to see that stuff. And I and, you know, and. I'm, I'm And you know, just back to Gene and Earl, I'm 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 glad that they get the attention that they deserve for some of that stuff. You know that they they had a hand in in bringing to the hobby. Uh, it is really cool to be able to do that stuff and to see people really gravitate towards it and appreciate it uh, is is extra special. It really is cool. And and now it's you know Upper Deck. You know, as as you and your listeners know, you know we own the FLIR names now, so it gives us the ability to do you know a lot of things. That that you know, harken back to that history. It gives us just a, a you know, our, it, it expands our portfolio. And you know, when we do it, we want to make sure we do it right. And I I am on our guys all the time. I like look if we're going to do this, we got to do it right because the people who collect this stuff and appreciate it, they don't want you going halfway. We cannot. That's offensive. You can't do that. It has to be true to to the history and to what the collector expects out of it. We can't go halfway and. Uh, you know, I think I think we've done a pretty good job. I think we could do even better. And uh, and I th- and I'm, I'm very hopeful. And maybe we'll touch on it later. We have some brands like Metal Universe uh, Hockey coming out. Uh, and we also have a have a Metal Universe uh, Marvel product coming out as well, where we're going to harken back to some of those things, but also put a put a more modern spin on them. So it's pretty exciting.
1: That, that is, I, I personally cannot wait for Skybox Metal Universe to come out. I know a lot of my viewers know that. They ask me, How, are you going to open it? Are you going to keep What are you going to do? I said, I just got to try and get as much as I can right now. And we'll see what happens from there. But I'm very excited about it. I'm a big fan of that stuff. Um, last topic on your days at FLIR, uh, autographics. Autographics, I know, is a very popular autograph set amongst basketball collectors, especially the ones who go back to, those, to the 90s. Tell us a little bit about your involvement with autographics.
0: Yeah, well, I um, so that that program in my mind is one of the most, and I'm not, I, I, I get no credit for that. That was being worked on, uh, believe it or not, that was being developed at Skybox before Skybox and Fleer were actually fully merged together, believe it or not. And um, to me, that's one of the. I, I know it is appreciated, but the the concept behind it was really groundbreaking. It's this almost like a, a a what's used today a term living card set it, it, it was a a set that went over multiple brands and grew there were certain athletes that were exclusive part of the full set but exclusive to certain brands and then there were other athletes that could be found in maybe two or three different brands and some that were peppered throughout all of the skybox brands so uh I I just think there's nothing really like that anymore uh and I but I thought it was a really really cool idea to be able to and the seating ratios, depended, depending on the SRP of the product, if it was a more expensive product, it was easier to get. If it was uh, a lower end product, it was hard to find these cards. Uh, and then, of course, the the the, uh, the parallels and everything else really early on in the days of parallels. I just thought that that that's a set. And, and you know, there are cards from that, of course, that do value out pretty strong even today. Uh, but I, I thought the way that it was built was was pretty ingenious and it still stands a test of time.
1: Yeah, we're seeing some of it now. I know just from hockey, which I know best, you know, you see the exquisite brand getting seeded into different products. A few years ago, the ice brand wasn't its own. It was seeded into different products. So does that is is that strategy or that format related to your days with the autographics? Is, is the autographics the, the grandfather of these multi product seeded uh, brands? I think it could be probably given a, a credit at the end of the uh, at the end of the
0: film. But yeah, I think I think it probably has some influence over it. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, to, back then there weren't as many brands as there are now. And there were also weren't as many uh, as many things weren't as complex. So uh, a lot of what happens today is planned and a lot of it isn't planned isn't planned. So, for instance, when you you get certain assets in and you want to make sure that they get in the hands of collectors. Sometimes we get things in and they don't make a pack out and, you know, we put them in something else so they can at least be at, get out there fairly to uh, to collectors. So, uh, but that is an interesting way of, of looking at it, Jeremy, but uh, it could be, it could very well be.
1: All right. Okay. So next, next topic I want to talk about are uh, let's get into upper deck and your, your portfolio of products. I want to understand, you know, how do you guys determine uh, going into every planning year? How do you guys determine how many sets you're going to make each year? How do you determine what set might get canceled? How do you determine what set might come back or when you need a new one? I want to hear all about that. Think about it just for one moment. We're just going to say hi. to We got we got Mike in the – we got, sorry, Ken in the house from Pastime says hi to both of us. That's Ken Richardson, I believe, from BC. we got Slow Pitch Fanatic in the house. Hockey Cod just sent uh, Oldie PMG off to PSA for grading. Smart move, I got to think. Hockey Cod, can't wait for Metal Universe. Same here, man, same here. Victor, I love hearing all the stories of these great card designs, right? I hear that. Ken says, Fleer Metal will be amazing. I think the design will engage a younger crowd by the look and and older with its heritage. Yeah, I think so too. 2007 Upper Deck Masterpieces Baseball, one of my favorite sets. Love the artwork. Yeah, people like these unique designs nowadays. It's not just about a rookie card or a card. It's all... It's the the design and the aesthetics of a card is maybe more important now than it's ever been. Although some people might argue that because of what's going on with the commodity type rookies. That's another topic. We'll go out, we'll we'll do that later. Charles Murphy, good evening to you. Frank Estella, good evening to you. Glad you're happy with this guest. And my flames are down to nothing. That's no good. Okay, so your planning year, your sets that you come out, how, how do you guys go about planning a year worth of products.
0: It's uh, it's a lengthy process, and we're already right now um, we're well into planning for uh, for twenty one twenty two, and I've already started twenty two twenty three. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners realize how the the lead time that goes into creating a card set, um, a traditional hockey card set. Let's just say uh, it's now from from initial concept to getting the cards in people's hands is. Is at minimum twelve months, Uh, and it's it. There's just uh, the complexity and and everything that goes into it. uh, it Really does take a good year to do and do it right. Um, So every year we every year is different. Every year is different. We look at a lot of different things. We talk to a lot of people. We talk to a lot of collectors, a lot of shops, distributors. We talk with our league partners, and we take all that feedback and we come together um, for several strategy meetings uh, throughout an extended. Course of time, um, and really look at where the you know where the business is. Uh, we certainly look at the rookie class, very big factor, and uh, the anticipated demand based on that rookie class. Um, we look at economic factors of what's going on in the world, um, and uh, we we take all of that into account, uh, and then we start penciling in a uh, our first crack probably two years before. Uh, at least in a, in, at a schedule. Uh, So uh, it it really is a lengthy, lengthy process. Uh, But, you know, and, and look, when we're doing that now in this market that we're in, which is really an unprecedented market, uh, our, our, our mindset is much different than say two years ago. Uh, So I think, you know, the market now can bear, you know, some more releases than maybe if we were talking about two years ago, Uh, when you have a rookie class, like the one we have right now. Uh, it could probably bear a little bit more than what we'd call an average year. So, there are a lot of factors, uh, I think. But I think overall, the the condition and the uh, where the hobby is and and the rookie class are two two major factors for
1: sure. Makes makes good sense for sure. Um, specific, a couple of specifics I'm curious about. So, w- with respect to planning and which products and brands you bring back every year, you know, a lot of people may. And not me, because I'm a fan of this product, but a lot of people may ask how Synergy has lasted four years, where some other people may ask, what happened to Fleer Showcase? I loved that product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you a set that, uh, you know, and, and of course, the people at both extremes are going to be the most outspoken, right? So, of course, Synergy gets a bit of a bad rap, although there are some awesome rare cards in there. Uh, whereas FLIR showcase seems like it would be a, an absolute stud of a project right now, seeing with what's going on and where the hobby's at these days with the FLIR brand overall. How, like, will you guys bring back FLIR? Will you cancel synergy? How, what goes into those types of decisions uh, versus the overall years planning?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, synergy is a great one. A great example. It's a perfect example. So we, uh, we had a, we had a concept, um, which would, to your point earlier, a very technology-heavy brand where, you know, we can get a little bit more, let our creative team get a little bit more creative um, with with some design work. Uh, From a content standpoint, try a couple different things, you know, some interesting parallels, some really low-numbered rookies. Um, And for whatever reason, uh, those first couple years, it just was really having trouble catching on. Uh, And there were products around it that would perform pretty well. But synergy just couldn't find its its niche in the marketplace, um, and everyone has their theories on why that is. Um, for me, uh, overseeing sales, I have a job to do, and that is to sell product, and I'm judged by that, uh, and rightfully so. And when we're doing the planning meetings that we talked about earlier, we look at these brands, and 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 you know when you look at the revenues that are generated by each brand, synergy was was, was trailing by quite a bit. I mean, it was, it was nothing you could really hide from. Um, but one thing, one thing, uh, one thing that, uh, that I think it's important to mention at this point, um, you know, the team that I work with, um, at at every level, including, and most importantly, importantly, the president of our company, uh, guy by the name of Jason Mashera, who, uh, is uh, I'm 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 real lucky to work with him for a lot of reasons, but if for none other, his background is a lot like mine. He used to own a hobby shop. I mean, the president of our company owned a hobby shop. Um, so he he looks at and we're able to look at things in a much different way than I think other companies can. We have we have the uh, always have the uh, the you know the the hobbyist the collector in mind when we're making decisions. So when you have something like synergy. And you realize that, yeah, the revenues aren't great, but there are still people like yourself who enjoy opening it. And then all of a sudden, they've been buying it for three years, and then you take it away. That's not an easy decision because you know people look forward to it. Not enough people, unfortunately, but people look forward to it, and then you take it away. That leaves sort of a hole in someone's collection, and that's not really fair. We do not like to to uh, we do not like to get rid of brands. Uh, we that's a very very important decision that we make, and I will tell you synergy. We would sit in these meetings and it was like, all right, one more year. We got to give it one more year. And, uh, and that was last year. And it did, it did okay. And we knew coming into this year. Okay. We got Alexi LaFren here. We got one of these generational rookies coming in strong rookie class. Do we give it one more shot? And I'm like, all right, one more. Like that's it. You're right? This is it. We got it. We'll give it that one last chance. And I got to tell you, like, uh, you know, Comparing sales of this year's Synergy to years past, it's night and day. Yeah. And and I know a lot of that is because we're in this this uptick in the hobby and and Alexian, but uh I I feel pretty confident that now you're gonna see Synergy be parts remain part of the portfolio. And I'm happy about that.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I love the uh, I love that the base cards are the are the ch- are one of the big chases within the product. I think that's a, a cool concept. You mentioned that you know you take it very seriously when you guys are going to discontinue a brand. What about it? Just it just tweaked a memory in my in my head um, when you guys completely changed the format of Black Diamond from being a twenty four or thirty six pack product to being uh, more of a one pack per. You know, uh, a, a bigger. I don't know what you call it, but when you just have one pack around the hundred dollar mark, sort of thing. What kind of, you know. What kind of thought process goes into that? Because I know some people were disappointed. They were collecting Black Diamond every year in its old format. They liked it. You guys make that change. And my comment to them at the time was, there's so many other things. Maybe you can find, renew your collecting approach. Find something new that you like. If that was all you liked, I'm sorry for your loss. But there's so many options in the hobby. You know, what goes into a decision like that? So it's a that's
0: a great example. That was, a, that was another tough one. Um, that was a really tough one. know, Black Diamond had a pretty strong lineage. It was been been around for a while, and it was very closely associated. You know, it's a diamond. It's our logo, right? Like, so it was really. It's a it's a a brand that's near and dear for a lot of reasons. But again, uh, from a from a revenue standpoint, when you when you look at you know sort of that that the weakest sort of link uh, in the chain, Black Diamond was down there, similar to where Synergy was. It needed a reinvention it needed something to spark it uh to change it and uh we felt pretty strongly that it needed to just be kind of clear whiteboard start over what can we do and um and and the product team really felt very strongly that we could take that uh add some brand new concepts to it take it to a higher end uh and and give it a shot and i I was I was a little nervous about it, but at the end of the day, it was one of the better decisions we made. Now I know there'll be some people who are upset that collected, you know, um, black diamond with that light FX foil. I mean, I I love the look of those cards, but it just at, at the end of the day, it was about revenue, and it wasn't it just wasn't uh, towing its weight, and it needed a change. Uh, but but to your point, though, Jeremy, I think it's important to point this out, and it goes back to your last question. You know, we have a portfolio of brands. Uh, and every one of those brands has to have a reason for being, we don't just throw brands in there just to, just to, you know, pump up our numbers. And if it, if the, if the market can't handle it and if it doesn't make sense and it doesn't have a reason for being, we're not going to do it. And, uh, you know, so black diamond, we felt was still, it had a lot of history. It still needed to be there. But to your point, we have other brands. Every brand has a reason and a price point. You're not going to be able to buy everything. And every, you know, everyone can't afford a a Mercedes or a Rolls Royce. And that's why they're different cars. That's why there's different card brands. I mean, we're fortunate we're enabled to do lots of different brands at different price points based on the license that we have. And uh, we can't make something that works for everyone, unfortunately. That's why we're fortunate to be able to do a lot of different brands.
1: Yeah, that's great. And so, you know, with Black Diamond versus just canceling it all together, you just reinvented it so that the equity, that lineage would continue to live on. I think, a, I think a great move. Okay, cool. Um, So there's a comment here from Hockey Cod. I want to bring it on. I think it's a great question. He says, how much do you guys look at social media sites like Reddit, Hobby Insider, uh, you know, Facebook, blowout forums, all these different things for what the customers have to say about the product? And, you know, Actually, I'll just let you speak to that. How often do you and the team look at these things to, and and how much influence do they have on decisions you make?
0: I think a lot. Um, you know, we obviously in today's world, you know, social media is is a obviously a part of all of our everyday lives, you know, but at the same time, um, you know, you have to take some of it with a grain of salt, you know, because people, a lot of times people vent and, and rightfully so people are upset. People don't, you know, and everyone has an opinion. Uh, and that's what's great about message boards. You've, you're able to have discussions with your peers and give your opinions, and it's 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 just an amazing thing that, you know, uh, it's it, especially for for our hobby, the ability to, the ability to share those thoughts with your community is just it's it's a great thing, and I can't even imagine our hobby without it. Uh, but we definitely do, and our and our product team in particular spends a lot of time talking uh, with collectors, uh, certainly with with shop owners um, with our distribution partners, we, we spend a lot of time, uh, getting, getting feedback, getting opinions, throwing ideas by brainstorming. And, uh, it's, it's super, super important. We, we look, we're, we we, we like to think we're good at what we do. And I think, you know, we are, uh, but at the end of the day, we don't know everything and we don't, you know, we're not, you know, we, we, we absolutely have to listen to, uh, to the people who are buying our product it's a it's a responsibility of a manufacturer and we do we do a lot of that we really do the product guys spend a lot of time reading you know certainly your forum and the other forums out there and spend a lot of time on social media absolutely
1: all right good thanks for that uh we have wayne fraser in the house says mike one of the best guys in the business Uh, thanks wayne goes on to say that i just read his mind about black diamond we uh and um, Ken Richardson says, how, this is a good question. How are you guys finding collectors engaging with the bounty programs?
0: Uh, it depends on the product. Uh, sometimes the bounty product works unbelievably well, and we just sail through the, the prizes in record time, and other times it takes a long time. I think it's uh, the bounty programs, which I, which I think are fantastic. The, hope, the, the, the idea behind it is, is great. It's encouraging set collecting. Which I think is something that we can never do enough of, um, and, uh, and you know, and it, it's it's encouraging people to really try to, you know, chase things down and find things. It's I, I love the idea. The problem, not the problem, but the challenge, I should say, with with the bounty program is just educating uh, people on it and and getting the word out there and and understanding it and uh, promoting it. And and we 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 probably need to do more a better job of that. Uh, and, uh, and we will going forward, but, uh, I, I love those programs. I love any program that encourages people, uh, to try to appreciate base sets or, or, uh, putting something together and, and the race to do it is just add some excitement.
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, Charles Murphy says he's a fan of synergy. Uh, you and me, Charles, we're, we're, we're a bit of a minority, but, uh, you know, looks like less of a minority this year than in past years. So I want to thank uh, Terry Fortune and Ryan O'Hara for letting me know that uh, Matthew Kachuk has scored for the Flames. Andy Mack, same to you. Thanks, guys. Next time you I hear from you, I want to see 2-2. Two, two. If you can do anything about that, that would be great. Here's a question, a bit, bit off topic right now, but we're going to we're gonna touch on it anyway. Joe Perot, he wants to know, uh, he says, God bless Upper Deck. I'm wondering if Mike would could comment on Michael Jordan and LeBron James autograph rights and how Upper Deck is approaching its relationship with those two goats? What can you what can you say about that? Mike? Well, I mean, what
0: I say first and foremost is, you know, a day doesn't go by where we're not appreciative of the fact that those two players, arguably the two best players to ever play the game, um, are associated with, are partners with, um, and are a part of the Upper Deck family. Um, you know, MJ, it's hard to believe. MJ, you know, 30 years. And uh, you know, as a as a part of the Upper Deck family, it's just unbelievable. We're very honored and privileged that they're a part of, uh, of of our team. You know, we're you know, with uh without an NBA trading card license, you know, we're challenged in how we can do um autograph trading cards. We uh we on the upper deck authenticated side of our business is where we concentrate uh the majority of our efforts with regard to their autographs. Um, and coming up with new ways, as a matter of fact, um, I think next week we have a couple of new MJ releases, uh, on the, uh, upper deck authenticated side of the business that we'll be, uh, we'll be unveiling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, how do we approach it? Uh, very carefully. We will never do anything that will compromise the, the, you know, the value we hold them at a very high standard, very high regard. You're not going to see a lot of them go into products just because they're, you know, they're, they're, um they're so sacred and, and, and we have to, you know, protect them obviously. And, but uh, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be associated with both of them and uh, and, you know, particularly with LeBron as his, uh, his legacy is, it's still being written. He's an amazing athlete, what he's been able to do um, both on and off the court. Uh, We, uh, we are one of the largest supporters of his, uh, of his charity, the I promise school. Uh, and what he's doing for kids and back in his hometown of Akron is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're proud to be a part of that. So it's a it's a relationship that we uh we never, ever, ever take lightly and are very proud of uh to be associated with both of them.
1: Yeah, that that's pretty awesome, man. Especially that you're involved with the charity. I think that's that's a great thing. Okay, a couple more questions we have here. Um I'll just bring this one up. Hockey Cod says that he bought four boxes of Synergy, uh, but went to get more, but the shop ran out. So I guess sales of Synergy aren't uh, as difficult as they were in the early years. Here's a question from Billy, uh, Mike. And I like this one too, because it's timely. He says, do you approach a season differently when it is defenseman heavy? 21 is projected to have three defensemen going one to three. Is Quinton Byfield going to be the face of 21, 22 branding? What can you say to these questions? An awesome question, actually.
0: Uh and it's it's very relevant. Uh yeah. So next year's draft does look very defenseman heavy. And and that's like that that's a perfect example of one of those things where you have to really look at the uh the rookie class. Uh nothing against defensemen, but as we know, you know, from a collectability standpoint, it's you know, you take a little bit of a hit there. Uh and and yes, uh, you know, if look, the one thing we have to wait for before we make any decisions is is does Quentin skate, right? Like you know, he's, he's, he's in the HL and, and we, you know, while we'd like to expect that the Kings will call him up at some point, we don't know. And, uh, uh you know, the, we can never, we can't assume that we expect it. And as of right now, uh, if at some point he does, he will absolutely be, uh, expected. To, I, I would say, would I would expect he'd be the face of 21, for sure. We, we, uh, we also have a very strong relationship with Quentin and we are super excited about that and, and his, uh, his prospects of bringing the Kings back to, you know, prosperity uh, quicker than, than, uh, than, than most teams have the opportunity to when they draft someone of that stature. Uh, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Uh, and, and yeah, so assuming he skates, uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be in the early, he'll start out in the early season products. Absolutely but he's got to stay first. Nothing we can do about that.
1: For sure. For sure. And we're going to get into cutoff dates a little bit later. Definitely. Um, some, Back to the Michael Jordan discussion. I have heard, and I don't know if you can confirm or deny, I've heard that Michael jo- Jordan has an ownership stake in upper deck. Just hearsay No, coming from nobody reliable. Is there any truth to that?
0: Now, that's an old wise tale. I don't, I don't You know, that, uh, that was something that, uh, I don't. I think that started maybe even before I was working at the company where that was. Uh, that was bantered about. But no, that's that's not true. Not true. Yeah, there it's we go. kind of a cool story. Yeah. Uh, and there was a time where, uh, uh you know, I, I think it was an office with Michael Jordan's name on the outside of it. I, I can't. I I can't say for sure if he ever visited that office or not. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a it's a cool story, but it's it's not true.
1: All right. Well, thanks for thanks for confirming or denying, I would, <laughs> that, that is, confirming the denial. Okay. Uh, Kickdown says, I'm curious of your opinion on top shot digital cards, et cetera, that are becoming more prevalent in the space. Are digital cards applying additional pressure for innovation at Upper Deck?
0: Well, I, I mean, you know, digital, I, I wouldn't necessarily say digital cards are applying pressure. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be innovative. Uh, you know, we're we're never, ever, ever satisfied. We're never sitting still. We're always looking at different things uh, that we can do. You know, there's only so much you can do with a two and a half by three and a half inch piece of cardboard. Right. Sure. Like, and, and honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm never, I never cease to be amazed at what not only us, but our, 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 our fellow card manufacturers are able to do with a trading card. It's pretty amazing if you think about what has been able to, to be done. Uh, so you know we're always being pushed to be innovative i you know with regard to top shot i i i i have to admit i don't fully get it like i i can't wrap my head around it i i understand what it is and and i think it's pretty cool but i like when i see those numbers getting thrown around for what people are paying i'm yeah then again i i i'm blown away by what's going on in our industry so i uh, i guess i guess you can't be too surprised at anything these days but uh yeah it's it's exciting i i I'm, I'm very curious to see where that goes and if it can sustain and if it actually becomes, becomes something uh long-term.
1: Yeah. Same here. Well, yeah. time, time will tell for sure. Nick says, loving the show. Mike is a great person to have working at upper deck. Thank you, Thank Nick. You. John Fernandez excited for the Stanley cup set from upper deck store orders coming soon. And can you have a quick answer for that.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's ready. Uh, it's a, uh, it's, we, you know, it, it the, uh, the Stanley Cup box set's always a challenge for us because it's such a short window and we, you know, there are certain, we have a minimum or, minimum quantity if we can't hit that, M, what we call an MOQ, minimum order quantity. And if we can't, uh, if it's a team that we can't hit that uh, that number with, we can't produce what we'd call like a revenue product, like a box set. Um, so, you know, when Tampa Bay won, which, which is great for Tampa Bay, you know, they won not that long ago. Uh, Tampa is a good market, but it's not like a national or a, uh, you know, worldwide market. So we, we couldn't justify doing a box set. So we do, we did a set, a small set that, um, we do as like a gift with purchase, uh, on our online store, uh, with the purchase of hockey cards. So that's, uh, we've done that a few times over the years. Uh, and I think I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure they're just about ready. So uh, they should hopefully be start, start shipping soon.
1: Cool. Well, thanks for answering John's question, Billy Celio, Someone you know well says time for the hard questions. Who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles next season? Wayne Fraser says Ron Jaworski. You want to throw your your uh, your guess out there, and then we'll move on. Oh man, I think it's. I mean,
0: I think they're going to give Jalen Hurts a shot. I do, and and honestly, I I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm okay with that. I. <laughs> that's a great question, oh, Billy. I, yeah, I, Billy, uh, right? It's one of those things where um, I'm am a, I'm, a pra- I'm I'm from Philly. I, I'm 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 talking to you from Philly, and I, I love my teams and everything they say about us. For the most part, is pretty true. Uh, I can already tell you that uh, it 2026 is when Carson Wentz will be coming back to play here at the link. I, I already know that. How bad is that? That we already know that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I, I think it'll be Jalen Hurts, and I and I'm willing to give him a shot. He's got tremendous talent. I think with a new coach, a new system. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. My only, my only thing on that subject that I'm really, really adamant about for whatever reason, the Eagles try to get cute during draft day. They need to draft a wide receiver. They have to do that. And, and they've not been very good at it, but there's a couple guys at the top of this draft that you don't have to be an expert to, to know we, we, you got to draft
1: one of these guys. Got to grab one of them. All right. so that's uh, Jalen hurts is the answer. All right, very good, very good, Daniel A. Welcome to the show. Good evening. We got a meet from Cardboard Cultures joining us. Good evening to you. All right, another question from Ken. He says, "With the unprecedented demand for trading cards, what is your view on production? Create more brands, and or more, or make more of the same to meet demand?" Good question, Ken. I'm curious what he would want us to do. He's he's selling a lot of
0: it. No, I I, yeah. uh, I it's it's a great question. All kidding aside, Ken, it's um. You know, it depends on the brand. Honestly, uh, there are one of the challenges in today's, you know, in, in today's sort of hobby marketplace is that some of these brands that we make some of our and, and this isn't just us. This is this is, you know, Tops, Panini, all the manufacturers, um, because what we call the, uh, the we call them buyouts, you know, things like uh, autographs, game used, these assets that we have to bring. There's a finite amount of all that stuff. It's not an endless supply. And we're already pushing the limits with what we do now. So, you know, like the cup is a perfect example. I, I, I could sell a lot more cup. I can't. I can't make more cup. It's just it, you, you know, it's based on the way it's built. Uh, it's you, you just can't. So there's certain brands where um, you're, for lack of a better term, you're kind of capped. You're limited in what you can do. And and unfortunately, more and more brands are fitting that. Um, but then you have other brands where they're built where you have that flexibility where you can. You can, uh, you know, you can create more product, and uh, and and there's more flexibility in the in the product to enable you to do so. So I think it's probably a combination of both. To be honest with you, the, the thing that you have to keep in mind, though, um, it it sounds easy to add brands, but at the end of the day, and synergy is a good example, it takes our team just as much time to work synergy through the system as it does, SP Authentic, or Upper Deck Series One. The same amount of work goes into all those photo select. I mean, all of that stuff. So, um, the more you put in there, the more resources you need to get all that work done. The more time you need with the printer and in it to uh, to enable to get the product printed. There's a lot of factors that you don't think of. So, it's not that easy to
1: just add brands. It really isn't. It's a challenge. So it's so a got, So it's a bal- It's a balancing act for the most part. Then yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Let's keep on going. I'm going to read this one here. Mike says, I feel like with Quinn Hughes and Cale McCarr being rookie defensemen in 1920, it helped the sales of good defensemen all around. I- I've been of that sort of the same mindset that these guys might help bring in and Miro Heiskanen in, in Dallas. They might help bring more attention to the defensemen within the hobby. What do you think?
0: I think so. And you're also talking about, you know, games changed, obviously, quite a bit. And you're talking about offensive defensemen where, you know, uh, you know when guys are putting up points – it, it, it inherently makes it more collectible. I mean that's just just how it works. So I, I, I would agree with that. I mean there's some great defensemen in the league, but if they're not, you know, if they're not putting up points, I, I I tend to think that they wouldn't be as collectible. I mean Hughes and McCarr are are they're they're I don't know if they're generational players, but they're darn close. And uh there's their special players are quick and they're not like those big hulking defensemen that you you know, used to think of so I, 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 no, I'm not I didn't mean to defend it, offend any defensemen uh, but uh, but but I agree I think they have and and I'm hopeful that uh, that'll be great if defensemen got their fair due in the hobby for sure.
1: Yeah, you just have to be an off, you know, stay-at-home defenseman probably never will. But the the offensive defenseman, there's a good a good shot. I think they have, they deserve more hobby love than they get. Okay, Great. let's go on. Let's talk about a new product that you guys like just announced yesterday. Wayne Fraser asks a question. He says, any chance of a rookie update style catch-all? That was a fun product. Well, what can you tell us, Mike, about the upcoming release of a product called Upper Deck Extended? Yeah, it's, uh, it's
0: super – yeah, we, we announced it actually late, late Thursday night, uh, and it's been something that's been in the works. This uh, So this year, I don't need to tell you or your listeners, it's an unprecedented year, obviously, in a many, many different ways, but certainly the hockey season, right? We've had a shortened season. Uh, we had um, you know, a season that started in January, um, and not only does it throw off what we're used to, but from a card standpoint, uh, it throws off our whole cadence uh and the and sort of how we we schedule things out. So what I mean by that is in a typical year, you know, you'll have UD1 come out, uh comes out the beginning of November, and it'll have rookies who skated in the first couple of weeks of the season. You know, we we literally have like a week or two, we get, you know, then we have to cut it off because we got to get into production and hustle and get those rookies done. And um so this year we uh, we were able to get an exception for Alexi who was our new spokesman uh but everybody else was a carryover rookie series two is where you're gonna have a lot of the guys who skated in uh in those those first two uh first two weeks of this season but okay two weeks into the season not even maybe ten days two weeks in the season it's still towards the end of January that's it you know usually your series two comes out young guns for the most part are done we'll pepper a little bit in here or there and some other brands we're looking at that and we're like hey, wait a minute though like we still have like half the season to go here we have you know we didn't have we only had two literally two weeks of skating time so we thought what what better way to to sort of mitigate some of that than do a third series of upper deck we didn't want to call it upper deck series three uh, it just didn't sound right so um we called it upper deck extended uh there'll be a, a we, i believe it's 25 more young guns uh in in this series uh they will feature guys who skated between the cutoff date of series two, which I don't know the exact date, but it was about ten days to two weeks into the season, give or take, uh, and uh, a week ago yesterday, so the twelfth. Uh, and there, there's, there's a couple. You know, I, I think Arthur Kaliev will be probably the, the marquee name for that group, uh, and, uh, and some other guys who skated in there. So it's going to enable us to get some more guys in. February twelfth will be that cutoff date. That's a cutoff date, and we can, we can talk about that later if you want. But as it pertains to Extended, uh, we'll have the new Young Guns. We'll have some other base cards. But the beauty of this product is we are going to bring back all of the rookies that are featured in uh, 2021 product, including Alexi Lafreniere, uh, in a host of legacy upper deck brands, brands we have not done in a long time. Brands like, uh, depends on who you talk to, they call it UD3 or ud uh Holographics, uh, Triple Dimensions, Pros and Prospects. Uh, SPX finite uh, brands that you know. You talk about brands that went away. These were all tough decisions, but went away a while ago. We're going to uh, reimagine those, uh, create new designs, and present a whole slew of new rookie cards for these guys uh, in this product. So uh, it's going to be and varying levels of uh, of scarcity and, and and serial numbering and parallels. Uh, it is going to be unlike any sort of upper deck series base product that we've ever seen. Same configuration as UD1, UD2, um, same offerings, hobby and retail, uh, But uh, but it, and it should be out in, in mid to late June is what we're targeting.
1: All right. Well, going to be go. a, lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that sound, sounds really cool. Here you go. Let's put it on the ticker right now. Upper Deck Extended Series coming in June 2021. I'm excited to see a lot of these Legacy brands coming back and what you do reimagining some of those. I can see them being interesting and collectible. Okay.
0: And, and Let me, I, I, I uh, if I could interrupt you for a sec. We will have uh, we'll have imagery. I was hoping to have imagery before we were on tonight that I could share with you, but uh, it uh, it didn't get through the pipeline quick enough. So we should hopefully have some of that next week, so you can get a get a look at some of those brands we're talking about.
1: All right. Well, we've got some comments coming in. Mike Zier says, so it's like Chronicles for hockey. Outstanding. He hopes it's on EPAC. Andy Cap says, sounds like an amazing product. Wayne, Wayne's happy to hear it. My, my flames are now down three to one. Thanks to Connor McDavid. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it's good. Good for the hobby when Connor McDavid scores, right? I, I, I understand that for sure. I understand that for sure. Okay. Um, Greg Cone from Leaf says, is Upper Deck going to try and revive Carbon's bass fishing product? <laughs> must be an inside joke between you card company folks uh yeah.
0: yes there uh yeah there are a lot of upper deck alumni out there we uh we all have good sense of humor that's pretty funny that is pretty, okay <laughs> I forgot uh, about that.
1: mike yes, from eastridge sports car done. says uh what has been the biggest flop product in your time at upper deck oh boy
0: uh our biggest flop product uh Put it on the back
1: burner if you want.
0: Uh, yeah, let's put that in the back burner. Uh, thanks, Mike. That's a tough one. I'll have to go back and uh, I'll have to think about that one a little bit. Uh, we, yeah, well, look like anybody else, we've had uh, we've had some we've had some rough ones, but uh, thankfully nothing that I could point to recently,
1: at least in my opinion. (laughs) Well, hey, put it on the back burner. If something pops in your mind, let us know. Okay, here's a question from Nick, and I like this one. He says, do you know if Upper Deck has ever considered adding some more numbered parallels to the popular young gun sets in addition to high gloss and exclusive and the clear cuts? Anything else ever been uh, bantered about? Bantered about a lot, Uh, yes. And one thing,
0: you know, we were very... And, and this is a fortunate thing you know our team is is very passionate about what we do and we're very also protective of what we've what we have what we've built and and young guns i would say is is very high on that list and we're you know we we're not a, we're not averse to trying things but at the same time we don't want to you know uh overdo it so so we're real careful if if there's a compelling way to do it um, we'll give it, we'll give it thought and we'll consider it. But I think, uh, and you you know, you mentioned some of the things that we do there. We're, we're, we're pretty protective of young guns. We don't want to overexpose it. And, uh, it is, it is, it is at that point where I think you could call it an iconic, uh, set as it relates to, you know, the Pantheon of sets in, in our hobby. I, I, I don't know. I'm not saying no, uh, we talk about it a lot, but it would have to be something pretty compelling. I don't think we would just, throw it out there just with, you know, let's say different colors or, you know,
1: anything like that. Uh, But, you know, if the right thing came along, we would definitely uh, consider it. Okay, good to know. Good to know. Uh, I'm going to throw this one up from uh, Rich. He's talking about card backs, you know, how much time and and cost would you save if you eliminated the base card, the back of the the base card? Now, we're not going to get into that because you're not going to do that. But I do want to ask you this. Is it a legal requirement for Upper Deck to put the word "Congratulations" on the back of every card that has a, a relic or an autograph on it? And if it is not legal, can you stop? <laughs> it is not a legal requirement. No, uh,
0: <laughs> that's a that's funny. Um, so, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm uh, going back here a little ways, but I think. I think we were probably the first to do that. Uh, I think with, you know, back way, way, way back um, in
1: the, in the nineties. When it it was really hard to get a relic or an autograph out of a. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was, and, and I'll tell you, so it was something that, you know, we, we did and, and um, for many, many years, and it was Richard McWilliams name, obviously the founder of the company. And uh, you know, and that was just something that, I don't know that if it was ever even thought about with regard to not doing that. Um, and when he passed, uh, several years ago, we, we had, we had a lot of conversations about what to do, uh, about that. That's not an easy or a thing to take lightly. Um, and we decided, you know, the best way to honor Richard was to, to do it how we do it now, which is, you know, utilizing his name with his family who, who still, Uh, carry on the torch and, and, and and own the company uh, to this day. So yeah, I I understand what you're saying, but that's the reason why we do it.
1: All right. Well, my issue with it and, you know, is that we pay good money for the product. We don't need a congrats. It's like every time I go fill up, put gas in my car, the attendant does go, congratulations. You filled that car with gas. Congratulations. You've got a, you got a basket of groceries for your family. Congratulations. You got a, you got a card. It's It's a little it, to me, it's just a it, it's almost like uh, it's almost like poking fun at the at the customer sometimes, especially when that when the when you're congratulating for a card that is of very little value or you knew you were getting one out of the box or out of the pack. But anyway, I leave that with you. It's just my own personal thing.
0: it's a, it's a fair question. Good point.
1: So let's get into a, a touchier topic for a few minutes. I want to talk about quality control with you now. We've you know there's been a few issues recently. You know, even going back to the, the Nathan McKinnon young gun with the pink shoulder, yeah. when I know that very soon after, I remember Chris Carlin at the Expo uh, kind of handling that and you guys replaced those. This year, we had the rounded corner issue with the Alexi Lafreniere uh, young guns. You know, I think a lot of people weren't happy with that. I think they want to understand maybe why it happened. Uh, how, how, why it happened and what you guys are planning to do in response. So
0: one one thing, Jeremy, you're going to hear me say this a lot and I apologize, but it's just, I, I, I speak the truth. And in saying that the people I work with, myself included, we take a lot of pride in what we do. And when things like, like a quality control issue happen, we take it very seriously. We take it very personally. And, um, you know, we're uh, a lot of us are collectors, and we're collectors at heart, and we take a lot of pride. And this stuff gets it—it it, it bothers us. It really does when this stuff happens. And uh, so, I, I think it's important for everybody to know that um, I, I'm uh, that, and that comes from the heart. It really does. We're not just doing this because it's our job, and we go home and we don't think about it. It's not true. Um, we know how important and how personal collecting is to people, and when something like this happens. Uh, We do everything in our power to make sure that we fix it. Um, One of the challenges that we all have right now is getting through many, many different things that relate to this pandemic. And uh, specifically as that relates to Upper Deck Series 1, uh, it's changed so many things just in our little industry, uh, not the least of which is the production of our cards. And, um, you know, there's it it, getting getting cards produced has never been more challenging than it is today why why is that well think about what we're talking about we're talking about factories where people are in close proximity um we're talking about people having you know getting people to come to work and every day you're talking about challenges of covet outbreaks and uh we're talking about limits in the amount of people that can come in the building so maybe you have you know, a person every couple feet, now they have to be six feet apart. What does that, that makes the output a lot slower. There's so many different things that you would never think of. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a challenge. And, and one of those challenges is we can't go and have that oversight of our production facilities that we normally would. We just can't. And, uh, and some things, you know, unfortunately have gotten through or have happened that probably in other times wouldn't have happened. And that's not an excuse. That's that it's not, well, it's a reason. It's not a great excuse, but it's, it's for real. And, uh, and on that particular issue, we, uh, you know, we caught it and, uh, and we were able to address it and we'll continue to address it. And, uh, our customer care department will take care of it. It's a nuisance. It's a hassle. Uh, but, uh, for, for, for our collectors, not, not just us for, for collectors, I get it. And and I'm sorry for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, we'll make it right. And we, we do, um, you know, all, all the, every box that we, we make, there's a, there's a number printed on the inside of that box. And that number uh, pertains to, uh, it's a lot of important information, that number. It pertains to uh, the shift that, that that particular box was made, the line that it was made on, and it, and it can tell us a lot. So uh, when our, our customer care group, when, when you're when you're interacting with them and they ask you for something like that, that's why. So we can figure out and isolate the problem. Uh, and, and for that one in particular, we figured out what it was, why it happened. And, uh, you know, and I feel really confident that that will be, that has been addressed. So then we get into series two and extended, like we just talked about those, those things will be rectified. How
1: how will you make it right?
0: Oh, we'll replace them. We'll replace them. If, if, if someone has cards, like, you know, that's, I've, I've seen them. It's just, it's not right. Uh, they shouldn't be like that, um, Although who knows in this crazy hobby, maybe those will end up being worth more money down the road. Who knows? I can't. I, I,
1: I don't know. I've made a joke about it. It's, it's just a die cut, right? It's just a new exactly. die cut. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't know. A stranger, much
0: stranger things have happened. But uh, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, all, all kidding aside, we'll, we'll we'll fix it. We'll, well fix. That's
1: it. Really good to hear. I, mean, I hope people are happy to hear that that you guys will be able to exchange them out for uh, for mint condition oh, yeah. or or four sharp corner type of copies. You know, I want to I want to segue this discussion into uh, Ken's comment here. He says, "What are the current challenges that all trading card companies are facing that are leading to delays in product releases?"
0: Yeah, and that and and that's uh, that's what I was just touching on. It's um, it's primarily uh, primarily uh, a a vendor issue uh, that all of the manufacturers. If you notice, all the manufacturers are are having trouble with with release dates. They're moving, and sometimes they move a week before the release date. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's being target right now. Like I've never seen. Uh, and it's, and then, and then look at what just happened down in Texas. You know, a, a good percentage of trading card products are made at a facility, a facility in Texas. And what's going on in Texas the past week is, is catastrophic. Uh, forget about what's happening with trading cards, the humanitarian issue. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible situation. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's inevitably going to set us and and the other manufacturers back now on top of what we were already facing, because that factory has been closed for the week and they're not opening until, from what I understand, probably Monday. Uh, so that's just one thing in a long line of, of issues, but uh, it, you know, the, the things that uh, COVID protocols have thrown in the mix here uh, and the challenges that it's presented. Um, and don't forget, you know, we don't, the, the cards get finished at a factory like the one I'm referring to in Dallas, but oftentimes they specialty cards get printed in other places and God forbid somebody, um, test positive. They got to close that place down and you get delayed. And we've had a lot of that, uh, more than, more than you can imagine, uh, at all these different places, uh, there's shipping issues, uh, you know, galore now with, with FedEx and UPS and other carriers that are delaying things. Um, you know, when, with quarantines, players were, scattered all over the place. So getting, getting autographs took a a lot longer than, than maybe it would have before. So there's just myriad challenges that many of which we've never faced before. Um, but, uh, you know, we deal with it and we're doing the best we can. Um, but I can tell you right now that this year is going to be unique in a lot of ways, but there will be 2021, uh, hockey products coming out throughout the calendar year for sure. Uh, and and maybe even into next year, like like we had this year.
1: Question about the Lafreniere rookies again, though. Um, if somebody doesn't still have their box with that number on it, and they do have one of these uh, rounded corner copies, are they going to be eligible for in, an exchange? It's a great. A lot, most people, I don't know a lot of a lot of people really keep those boxes, right?
0: Um, I I don't I don't know for sure. I I, I would like to think a lot of people who've been collecting upper deck. Know that that protocol at this point. I'm sure there are, there are some who don't. Um, it's a good question. I mean, our customer care team wants to help take care of everybody we can. So my guess is that we'll do the best we can. I I, um, I would pose that question uh, in in your chat. Uh, I'm hopeful that we have some people that are taking a look there that can answer individually uh, and try to get to the bottom of it. I, I I'm sorry. I don't know exactly if I can answer that correctly or not. We're pretty strict in how we do that. Uh, but this is a pretty unprecedented situation with these young guns, so uh, you know we may we may be able to make exceptions with regard to that. I'm not sure.
1: Okay, no, f- fair, and I appreciate your your candid honesty as well. Yeah, on the yeah, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to mislead your your
0: listeners, so I'm not I'm not positive of that. Yeah, but we I do, appreciate that. We, we do require for help uh, through our through our customer service. We do require documentation, receipt, or something that proves that you bought it from an authorized source.
1: Right. Okay. Fair. Um, what can you tell us about the artifacts collation issues that I, I personally didn't open any, so I didn't experience it firsthand. Yeah. But I know that uh, I'd read on on Hobby Insider and elsewhere that uh, there were issues with that. What What can you tell us about that? And um, you know what your reaction was to it?
0: Again, you know, this kind of stuff, uh, I, I you know, keeps me awake at night when this kind of stuff happens. It's just uh, you know, like I said, you work, you work a year, uh, and, and more on a product and all these people have their hands in it. And, uh, you get excited about finally releasing it to the collecting world. And there's their, their issues. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, it it's the exception, not the norm. Uh, and, and, you know, artifacts is one where, um, we had an issue. It wasn't an issue uh, on the case level, but it, it, it was an issue on the box level where the collation was off again. Uh, very specific to a certain uh, shift and and line uh, that we were able to identify um, because of the uh, because of the, the the codes and and the help of of collectors who brought it to our attention. Uh, but it it really comes down to again uh, I feel very confident that's that's one of those things that we may have been able to catch if uh, or someone would have been able to catch if it were normal times. Let's call it where uh, you have the the same sort of uh, level of and the amount of people working on the product and on the line and and supervision and things like that. It's just
1: an uh, access, right? Just access, access more than anything.
0: Yeah, we, we, we're we not allowed to go into press checks. We're just not allowed.
1: Yeah. yeah, the times we're in. So hopefully it's a one and done. And, uh, you know, because of uh, the lack of access next year, you'll have it. And you can go or even in any subsequent pro- subsequent product. Hopefully okay. you can catch it uh, next time. I think that's a fair answer. I really do. I mean, it's unfortunate, but these things it's a, like you said. It's an it's an awkward year uh, overall. Uh, Doctor Full here says, you know, mistakes happen. If you can quickly correct them, then that's fine. And I think there's merit to that, you know. But he he, the word "quickly" is pretty important there, you know. People get, and especially in our hobby, us collectors, we can get pretty antsy and impatient. Never mind critical, you know. Yeah, so yeah, 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 and and that's and that's a great point. It's and it's relevant uh,
0: to to the young guns issue that we were talking about earlier. And I know we just recently. Uh, we just recently got the replacement cards in, but think about what I'm, what I was talking about. So you, you need, you, you know, you're not planning for what happened to happen. So when you find out about a problem like that, you, you, you dig into it. And then of course, to gauge the scope of it. And then like, in the instance of like the young guns from series one, you gotta, you gotta print those. Right. So we didn't, you know, so then, and then to do that, you need to find the time where you could go up on press. I just told you about the mess that the vendors are right now. So you got to find time to go and make those cards. So it's not something that's very easy to do. And unfortunately it takes a little bit of time. I'm pretty proud of our team, quite frankly, at how quickly we were able to do this uh, and address the young guns issue. Um, But, but it's, uh, and then on top of that, keep in mind, we're in, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the, I don't work. I work from a home office, but our, our, our team in California, um, they're they're not allowed. We're not allowed to have our staff in the office to any sort of capacity. So our customer service team is all working from home for the most part. We're we're people are out. We're training new people. Try training someone new when you can't be in front of them, right? To uh, so there are all those challenges. So they've all they've all added to delays. I will tell you that we are staffing up even more on our customer. The customer care side of our business, uh, I, I I think our team is the best in the biz. They're doing an awesome job, and uh, and they're only going to get better as we add people. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're always striving to be better. Yeah, so, well,
1: I like I, I like to hear that. There was a comment here I want to just share. I thought it was a nice a nice comment, um, and I just can't find it right now, but that's okay. I'm gonna yeah. go to uh, <laughs> I'll go back. To- I've been talking to Streamyard, who uh, runs this studio software I use, saying you, you got to make comment management a little bit more uh, straightforward, a little more streamlined. But here's a here's a comment from uh, it's Mike at Edge. I like this one. He says, "Are we going to see a Legends heavy set anytime soon? Like 0607 and eleven twelve Parkhurst?" Yes. Yes. There we go. <laughs> is
0: that for a nice short and sweet answer? I like, yeah, I like it. I like it. All, all, all kidding aside, that uh, is in the works. Yes and uh okay. we work uh we work super super closely with um nhl alumni association uh great great partner of ours and uh yeah we are we we it, it was uh it was a lot of fun doing the first series of chronology also uh and uh yeah we're we enjoy doing those products they're a lot of fun and it's it's also fun to do cards of guys who maybe never had a card or, or had very few cards it's just some cool things we could do there but yeah they are absolutely in the plans we can't do them too often because that's a it's a very uh i don't know if i call it a niche product but it's a very specific product a very specific collector that appreciates those so you can only do it every so often so we're careful not to to overdo it and, and kill it
1: okay no i think that's uh that makes a lot of sense charles murphy this is the comment i was looking for says listening to mike gives me a lot of faith in upper deck us philly guys shoot right straight shoot straight <laughs> And then a compliment to me—I do a great job. Thank you so much, Charles Murphy. Appreciate that very much, Andy Mack. I like this says, about twenty years ago, I returned a five-dollar Gretzky CD to upper deck and received an How autograph CD out of one hundred and fifty. No complaints here. Love the upper deck. Love the upper deck. Thanks. <laughs> That's very nice of you, Andy Mack. Nice. Okay, um, I want to—I want to talk about integrity of patch cards in specific RPAs, rookie patch autos, because an important thing, and as you're probably well aware, I know you're well aware. There's a a lot of fake patches that have made their way into the market. A lot of people attribute it to some guy named Kenny in Ontario. That's all I know, Kenny in Ontario. Yeah. You know, well, you know how, and as you know, I've been I've been very vocal about fake patches over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I even was at the Cup, the pack out at your at your facility, North Carolina, in 2009, and I captured images of all the patches that went into that product. So I proved it can be done. What, you know, how seriously do you guys at Upper Deck take the integrity of these RPAs as the years go by and they become more and more valuable and important and further and further away from being reflected on your financial statements, right? How, how important is that to you guys and what you know, is there anything in the works to either document these these patches so people have a reference for for authenticity and security and just knowing that if they're going to buy a card, maybe they can check it against this, an archive or some sort of reference? What are, what are your thoughts on this on behalf of Upper Deck?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really important issue. Absolutely. And it's important to us, 100%. Uh, and I know how passionate you are. And I, and I really appreciate any time, uh, someone, especially with the influence you have, um, shares that passion and, and really is sort of a, for lack of a better term, a soldier for that issue. And, and I think it's, it's, it's something we don't take lightly. Um, and, 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 and I gotta be honest with you, you, I've been at Upper Deck 21 years. I've never been to a cut pack out. So you have something on me. Um, that, that's pretty cool. yeah. Uh, I hear they're exhausting, though. It sounds it was, like a glamorous thing, but it's exhausting. It was tough. Uh, yeah, I I, I I, understand and I agree with you. And it seems like something that would be relatively simple to rectify. And um, it's a little bit more complicated than it sounds like on the surface. Uh, I'm pretty sure, and again, this is uh, this is probably a little bit more for the product development side of the business, but I'm pretty sure we do document uh, the RPAs to 99 the six guys that we have in that group each year. Uh, I, I forgive me. I don't know where that is stored. We like to show it. Sometimes the problem is sometimes, um, when we do that, the, you know, we, we notice, you know, maybe like a damage or something and it, you know, like there's, there's lots of things that, uh, you know, it, it, it you know, that we have to take into account when we're, when we're doing this. Um, and it, maybe it doesn't, we don't, it's not, doesn't hit our quality, um uh, threshold for, for pack out, but, I can tell you this, uh, we and I and I and I and I I did a little bit of legwork because I know how passionate you are about this issue. And I knew I was coming on here and I can tell you this. We are we are working on uh, we are working on something, um, a technology that is uh, it. It's going to revolutionize things. It really is. And I'm not and I'm not saying that for drama. It's 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 freaking super cool. And it's going to. I believe it is going to um, really address the issue that you bring up uh, because it's a real issue. And just because that's something that happens after, you know, we've been paid for the product, and you know, I, I don't want anybody to think we we notice those things. We do. We monitor those things, and we don't take them lightly. And if it's something that is causing an issue and and is is harming people who are are advocates and, and fans of our product then of course we're going to address it uh it's 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 a little challenging um, to ultimately do the things that really need to happen there to fix it but I am I'm super psyched if we can get done what we're working on and I really am confident that we will I think you're going to be very impressed I know I'm being cryptic but I I, I promise you we are working on it it's and it's something that will 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 change the way these sort of things are handled
1: OK, well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you, number one, you looked into it uh, before coming on today and that uh, that you guys do have something in the works. So uh, myself and the hobby will be watching closely to, to see what that looks like, to, because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, I don't want to just put it, bring it to money, but there's a lot of money at stake, you know, um, that, uh, that a it, lot of people it, have tied up.
0: And it's only going to get, you know, as our as our industry thrives like it is now and continues to grow. Look, unfortunately, when there's when 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 more and more money is out there to be made, more and more of the scammers come out. And uh, it's just unfortunate And that goes for any business. But uh, we just have to try the best we can to keep up with them and deter them. And, uh, you know, this one is a challenge, but it's one that we're not going to shy away from. We will we will get it.
1: We will get it. Okay well that that's very nice very nice to hear. Uh I just want to point out to everybody Chris Carlin is in the chat right now under the username Nerf Liberty. So uh you know he he may be uh responding. So if anyone's he works at Upper Deck in case anybody doesn't know. So if he's responding in the chat pay attention to what he's saying. He speaks for Upper Deck. Okay. Um I want to I want to go to the next topic on my list which has to do with expired redemptions because As you can imagine, you know, people don't like it, especially when you when you open a product uh, after the after the expiration date has passed. And now those may sit on shelves for longer. People may have invested in them and put them away. And now their their values may not be uh, where they would otherwise be if those redemptions did not expire. So what I want to hear from you, Mike, is why do they expire and Is that, you know, is there any, is there any, especially this year with these, with all the delays we're seeing is, and especially because I imagine there may be more redemptions than we've had in prior years, simply because, uh, and this is just me speculating. So I could be, so correct me if I'm wrong, but in the event, there are going to be redemptions this year. And specifically is, are there any sort of plans? Have you guys thought about discussed at all the strategy around them, perhaps extending that? That expiry date out a little bit longer, so that that unopened product can retain its value for even longer.
0: Yeah one of the one of the toughest subjects we face in our industry, in my opinion, uh, one of the most polarizing topics for sure, and um, and quite frankly, one of our biggest challenges as a company, uh, year in and year out. It is. What, you know, for lack of a better term, a necessary evil. In many cases, we despise redemptions. We really do. We we, for a lot of reasons, it's a terrible customer experience. First and foremost, you know, when you get when you, you know, because like, you know, I, I, when I open a pack, I always kind of fan it. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a collector. I like to prolong the you know the card pack opening experience. And when I see that white cardboard in there, and it and and not a and not a decoy card, I know it's a redemption. Like. You know, like, so I'm I'm just like every one of you guys. I I don't, I I do not like seeing those. Um, The second reason we don't like them is they are expensive for us to fulfill. And that's something that most people don't know. But when you factor in all of our costs, and and don't forget, uh, we're fulfilling those things from the US and, you know, being, uh, you know, as vested in the hockey trading card market as we are, a lot of our redemptions have to get sent to Canada, which is a lot more expensive. So it, it, you know, I, I think the, I think the number is it costs us like twenty dollars a piece or something like that every time we have to fulfill one of those. It's expensive, and uh, so that's another reason. It takes up a lot of manpower. Uh, there's someone who that's a full time job. So I mean, there there are all sorts of reasons that we 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 just despise them. Um, but the reality is, um, and some of the reasons, and I told you from the outset. One guy commented, I'm a Philly guy. I'm, you may not like what I have to say, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. Uh there are some legalities involved with regard to these redemptions that I can't get into um that that dictate what we do. The end of the day, uh we we spend a lot of time discussing what we can do to try to 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 soften that bad experience. Uh one thing that we do, which I don't know how many of your listeners listeners know this, we don't openly promote it, but we have a we have a, a a one year grace period. We'll you know if you call in or if you if you call into our our customer care uh you know we typically will will work with you and fulfill that card up up to a year after it actually expires. So that's one thing that we do. Um with autograph redemptions, uh autograph red and I say autograph redemptions cause not for like we don't do this for like artifacts, draft redemptions and things like that. But right. um, we do a uh, what we call an expired redemption. Um, it's kind of like a raffle, I guess, for a better for lack of a better term where um, where and we do them a lot when we're in in the in the times we're able to be at shows. Um, people send them in. And uh, and generally, I believe that everyone who sends something in gets something in return uh, so that, you you know, you're not left with getting nothing. Like in in many cases when you have an expired redemption you're just you're out of luck um and that is a tremendously tremendously popular thing that we do uh and and the ironic thing is you know in a lot of those prizes that we give are are things from that expired from years ago uh but the the fact of the matter is we just can't we can't we cannot uh we cannot from a legal standpoint we have restraints we can't store these cards i mean we've been in business 30 years we we can't store those in perpetuity. There's just no way. Um, The, uh, the, the amount, the space, the, uh, the catalog, I mean, there's just so many reasons logistically that we couldn't do that. Um, But, uh, but, you know, to, and, and and we, and honestly, just to to backtrack a little bit, we've talked about things that maybe we could do um, to notify uh, consumers. And, and in today's connected world, most people know that if they're buying a box of, of this, Oh, the key rookie in that product is a redemption. You got to know that going in, uh, and 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 that information is out there. I'd love to be able to tell you we'd like to print on a box who who a redemption is, but the fact is, we wait until the last second to try to get cards in, and we print the boxes way before then, so that's not logistically possible. But we've looked at this from every angle. Have we? Is there is there a better answer out there? Maybe uh, we'll we'll keep trying and we'll keep looking and we'll keep searching for something better. But right now. By having that grace period, by doing the expired redemption, uh, we do as much as we can to try to soften that experience. But at the end of the day, uh, and I will tell you, you, you something you said earlier, uh, I'm I'm really psyched because the level of redemptions that we've had lately has been very low, and I'm hopeful that that your your uh, your listeners have seen that. Uh, we're very proud. A lot of a lot of products recently have had zero redemptions. So uh, we're we're very very cognizant of uh, we can always do better, uh, but we're we're super cognizant of the issue and we're continuing to try to fix it.
1: Well, I, I can corroborate that you wait till the last minute for uh, certain autographs to come back before you pack them out because when I was at the pack out for the Cup, I remember Carvin coming into the room one time. Hey, we got the, I think it was the Malkins or the Kopitar's. We got the Malkins. We got the Kopitar's. Like. You know, let's find those redemption cards and put them in the garbage and let's put let's see these cards into the product. And so, yeah, you obviously cannot print that on the box. That would just not be a logistical possibility. I, I completely understand that. I, you know, on a more positive note, I want to bring up Rich's comment here. It's very nice. Honestly, I'm just happy to have hockey cards this year. Thanks, Mike and Upper Deck team for working hard to get around all these unforeseen issues brought forth by the pandemic. That, that's just a nice comment. Yeah. Um, And then Amit asked this question with respect to the friend how would you handle the issues where people graded the cars with rounded corners? I mean, I mean, I I think I feel like I can answer this one for you, Mike, if you graded it, crack it out and ask for an an, an exchange if you want. Like why would you grade the card though? Would, would be my question. Unless you, unless you didn't care and you were happy to have it. But
0: the question on that one, Jeremy is what if we never correct? What if they were all like that? How would they grade them? If that was the way that every single card
1: was. I've looked at those rounded corners under a loop and they are perfectly rounded and they're not, you know, when we think of rounded corners on a card, you think of natural rounding. This is there. It's a very clean cut. It almost looks like a die cut, but we all know it's not supposed to be there. So if they were all like that, I think the corners would be fine. Cause if you look at those under, under the loop, they're very cleanly cut on that, on that angle. But anyway, they're not all going to be like that. So we don't have to, we don't have to speculate on that and uh, who knows where we would get to, but um, okay. Uh, Joe pro very impressive representation of upper deck. Could Mike elaborate a bit more on the soon to be released Michael Jordan?
0: Yeah. uh, So we have a, we have a new, I don't know how familiar uh, your viewers are of the upper deck authenticated line we have called the show. Um, It's a, it's one of my personal favorite pieces um, it's a, uh, what we do is when we're doing the signing with the athlete, we give them a, uh, it's a long rectangular piece of, um, I, I think it's called archival paper. It's a, it's a, it's like an artwork quality paper and we put it in front of them. There's nothing on it. it's a blank piece of paper. And we give them like a charcoal, almost like a crayon. And we ask them to sign as big as they can. And they sign huge, huge, uh, on one side. And what we do then is then we have, uh. We have a, an overlay that goes over a uh, plastic, clear plastic overlay with an image of the player. So it looks like they're floating above the paper when we frame it all up. Cool, cool, cool products called the show. And uh, all of our spokesmen have, um, have a piece that's called the sh- uh, a show piece. Uh, and some of them have multiples and we've done a couple of MJ, but the one we have coming out next week is um, commemorates uh, his six championships kind of playing off the uh, uh, after the, uh, the the popularity of the last dance it's just it's fantastic it's beautiful um so i know we we do have that in addition to a couple of other uh, pieces i think we have a new piece coming out that features a piece of game game use floor that mj signed on uh, really really just spectacular museum quality pieces
1: all right there you go to joe my man in santa cruz california all right here's a question from hockey guy and then we're going to move on to something else this question i think it's a good question right now it's timely you know What do you say or show to people that are saying kids are being priced out or becoming much more smaller segment of the hobby? What is Upper Deck doing to get more kids interested? And I have to add to this question because you guys, I mean, I think you do a phenomenal job with the Tim Hortons product up here in Canada. That is a kid, you know, $1.99 a pack or 99 cents, whatever it is for three or four or five cards. I don't know. why I didn't open any this year. What? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. It's, it's 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 not. just yeah. not up my alley, Mike. But hey, I, I'm not your target market for that. But <laughs> let me ask you this are the kids your target market for this? Specific to this question from Hockey Guy 2006, who also goes by Chris. What do you, you know how, how seriously or how you know how closely do you does Upper Deck look at at the kids segment of the hobby in an effort to you know keep them around when they when they get older? We're, we're thinking 20, 30 years out. Yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely, and I think it's a great,
0: great question, uh, and we we do uh, we do take it seriously because at the end of the day, we need to continuously cultivate new collectors. Um, we do a lot, and I think uh, Jeremy, you answered the question uh, partly for me. I mean, we uh, one of the things that I, I love about Upper Deck is we're constantly looking for ways to get cards in front of people, um, and you know, we do that uh, very effectively by. By partnering with companies uh, that have a much different reach than we do, Tim Hortons is a perfect example. I mean, uh, you know, I don't live in Canada, but I'm smart enough to know that most Canadians go to Tim Hortons every morning to get their coffee, right? So, what a better place to to have uh, to expose people to cards uh, than a Tim Hortons? And uh, getting them in their hands at a low barrier entry, like you said, a dollar ninety nine. Um, it gets people, it gets them in their hands, and then it encourages them to trade. I mean, one of the greatest things about the Tim Hortons program is just this this proliferation of trade nights everywhere for Tim Hortons cards. Uh, it's it's fantastic. And it's just, it, I believe very strongly that it's just cultivated this unbelievable new generation of card collectors. I, I have no doubt. But, but, but Tim Hortons aside, uh, we are always looking at ways we can partner with other companies to expose people to, to trading cards. Uh, we, we do, uh, you mentioned something before the Hanes promotion we did, uh, with, uh, with MJ, what a, what an unbelievable success beyond what we ever, I mean, there were people going in of course, and running and buying whole displays of of underwear, which is just hilarious. Uh, now those people maybe weren't the people we ultimately wanted to, because those were just people who are looking for to flip the cards, but man, oh man, uh, we never in our wildest dreams would have thought that that thing sold through a lot quicker than we expected. We, um, I don't know, many of your listeners and your viewers may not know this. We, we did a promotion where we had uh, trading cards packaged in Marvel. We have, uh, we have the trading card license for Marvel, Marvel and Marvel movies and Marvel publishing products. We package trading cards in DVDs. Um, you know, we, we tried to do, we, we did McDonald's obviously for many years. Anytime we can get cards in people's hands, uh, that are not necessarily those hardcore collectors already is just bringing in a percentage, a new percentage of people into our great hobby. And we're going to always look for those different ways to do that. And then with regard to the uh, being priced out of the hobby, that's back to what we talked about earlier. One of the nice things about uh, being the exclusive provider of, uh, of hockey cards is we, it enables us to invest at so many different price points. So we can create products that are entry-level products. Um, and then we can all like it, like an MVP or, uh, or, you know, a, a parkhurst or peachy and then have products that are, you know, at a higher price point for a different segment of the market. I, 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 I do always have to throw in the fact that one thing we find when we do research on this is at the end of the day, as kids want what adults are collecting, Exactly. that's what they want. Right. And, uh, they, they're, they're savvy these days, more than ever. And they don't want something that's necessarily made for a kid. They want the stuff that the adults are collecting. So, um, you know, we also have to keep that in mind. But uh, but we'll never stop trying to bring new people into the hobby at whatever age, but most certainly kids.
1: Well, I think you do a good job at it. And I mean, it's not like a kid can, you know, who has a part-time job is going out and buying a Ferrari as their first car. You maybe can't afford to buy the cup as your first pack of cards either or anything, you know, $100 packs. So, I mean, I, but what I do, you know, you, you made a great point. Kids want what the adults want and have too. So in a way it, it might motivate them to get out there and get a career, make some money, or just flip their way up, flip their way up the, up the, the sports card ladder or chain, if you will. Here's a, one,
0: here's okay, a, can I add one point to that? I think it's sure. important. One thing, uh, you know, I don't know, um, down here in the U S, uh, Try to you wander into Walmart or Target, you can't find sports cards. Yeah, and, and it's just because everything is just so insane right now. Uh, and I and I assume that you find the same thing probably uh, in WalMarts and other stores up in Canada. And while that's great for when you look at sell through data, uh, and you know it, you know it looks great on paper, there are some things about it that are not great. And and the biggest one of those is. You know, when when a, when a kid or when a mom or dad is going in and wanting to buy something for their kid, there's nothing there. And, and that's a problem. Uh, it's it, because that is that is one of the things. And I know it's more relevant to today and it won't be like this forever. But I fear that kids are not getting access to cards because they're they're just getting scooped up so quickly off of the retail shelves that they're not there for these kids to try out. Uh, it's a it's a it's a short term problem, I know, but it's a problem right now. Um, and uh and I, I just hope that, that that doesn't come back to bite us someday.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um I'm sorry. I'm just snickering. I'm seeing some I'm seeing some comments that just kind of make me shake my head sometimes. Like like this one here from Kickdown: Pay the players less every day they're running late on returning <laughs> autographs. So that's a great way to never get a player to sign a deal with you ever again. Is that?
0: It's a great way to have the players' association also want to never have anything to do with us. <laughs> that way we can go over to a yeah a lot of, you that, know. Editing. And an agent to never want to deal with upper deck ever again. Yeah. Exactly.
1: There was another comment. uh, Someone's uh, Donnie here, just stop, maybe just stop having redemptions. Like a lot of collectors just, you know, and this is just, it's just ignorance, right? It's just not understanding the processes and what, and the processes in putting out a a product. So, you know, we're not, we're not going to, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time explaining why redemptions exist. I think the hobby understands that there is a requirement for them. Well, not a requirement, but, they, without them, you know, what, what are the, what are the alternatives? Maybe don't do them and just always have them as um, additions to future year products. Like, is that something you guys have considered?
0: I mean, we're, again, we're always looking at ways to try to mitigate redemptions. Uh, the,
1: the biggest issue is,
0: you know, a couple things. You, you take a guy out, uh, you know, you wait until that deadline. I, I, I can't substitute someone else in that spot. So there's a hole in the set. Right. That's right. one of the things, um, you know, and then we when we we eventually, um, you know, if it's if there are there are times where we will hold guys out uh, and put them in something else. You know, a lot of times you'll see that from us. Some people like it. Some people don't care for it. But what we do is when we get something in after the cutoff date, we'll put it in a different product uh, as a live autograph rather than put it in a redemption into a product. So you may see something from another brand show up as one of your autographed hit, autograph hits in something down the road. That's because uh, we, we wanted to release the card. We felt, we felt it was an important enough card that it should be released as a live card. Just put it in another brand. Um, it's not it's not our favorite thing to do, but I'd rather do that in, in some instances. It's Again, it, if we could do away with redemptions completely, uh, we would. But sometimes they are just a necessary evil in some instances.
1: Yeah. And like you said, you don't like them. They cost you a lot of money to fulfill. So, it, but it is, I, okay, let's keep on going. Let, I think the redemptions, the redemptions topic has been beat. It's It's been a, we're beating a dead horse, which has been being beaten for 10 years now. Okay. I, I knew this was going to come up, Mike. I I, I knew this was going to, you even knew this question was going to come up. Amit wants to know for a Philly guy, you got yeah. Lakers hanging on your wall.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I can explain that. I did expect that. I, I got, I, you know, that, uh, that, that Kobe piece behind me is, just, you know, obviously is a special piece. Kobe was uh, our spokesman for many years. And I've got, got MJ over my, my, my other shoulder there too. And the, uh, the Magic Johnson piece, I, I just loved how these two uh, look together. They're both canvases. And uh, yes, I do have to up my, my, uh, my, what we call our Zoom background game. Uh, I probably could be a little bit more representative of my home, my, uh, my home team. Uh, but uh, I, I do like those pieces a lot. I, uh, I I have to say. So I'm not a Laker fan. I didn't put that up because they won. Uh, but uh, I just I just like how they look. That's all. All right. Let's yeah, keep going. I, I, I admittedly I have much better things to put up, but I just like how those look. There.
1: They look nice, man. And you can you can't go wrong with Kobe. No one's gonna knock you for having Kobe hanging in your office. All right. Darcy wants to know. Any chance in bringing back Sweet Shot Hockey and Parker's Champions, and he also wants you to get an NBA license back.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't really say not much I could say about the NBA license. Um, we are, you know, I will say we're we're a, we're a proud partner of the NBA um, on the uh, on the Upper Deck authenticated side of our business. It enables us to do some really cool things over there. Um, with regard to those brands, um, you know, I would. I would never say never. I mean, those are always, uh, things that we, we banner about, um, you know, Parkhurst, we do, uh, we do the Parkhurst brand. Uh, we do that as a retail, uh, primary product, but, um, and then sweet shot, sweet shot. We, you know, we play around with the sweet Shop brand here and there, you know, in, you know, we, we borrow some things from that in different inserts, uh, programs and other products and things. Um, and you know, like we talked about, we're doing this extended series. You never know, uh, if it's a brand that is successful and I truly believe it's going to be a hit, uh, it'll be something we add to our stable as an annual release. And you never know, we'll, we'll mix and match some different brands in there and see what sticks.
1: Okay. There you go. Daris. Good stuff. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Jordan Hagedorn pipes in says very excited for some upcoming stuff in the design arena from Upper Deck. Would love to collab with you guys in the near future. Keep up the good work. Jordan yes. Hagedorn, is uh he ha, he's an NFL agent. He's got a few people there, so if you're not aware, maybe yep. could do some collabing with him. And then, of course, everyone wants to let me know that Connor McDavid has scored a hat trick against my Calgary Flames, and he <laughs> has five points. Sorry, Jeremy, that's okay. You it's know so what? So it's so it's well, a silver lining for me when the hot when the main guy in our hockey card hobby has a five point night, and that's our guy. That's our spokesman. I know, you know, that's our biggest, uh, (laughs) our biggest rival are the Edmonton Oilers, which, you know, has, it has, hey, we we usually do pretty well against them. But uh, when McDavid is, when he lets loose, it's tough to, he's tough to beat. He can uh, can walk around everybody.
0: Let me tell you something, Jeremy. When, when, when uh, we were watching the draft lottery last summer and uh, we knew, you know, we had already had our deal in place with Alexi uh, and the Rangers won the draft lottery. I had very mixed emotions, my friend. I'm a Flyers fan, so I really struggled with that. But at the end of the day, I, I, I you know, they're that that you know, the Rangers and the Penguins, tough. But uh, but you know, I, I do I root for Alexi, you know, and and he had a goal today, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but but any other uh, that's about the limit. That was tough. That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, I know, I know, man. I was, I thought the Rangers were a good place for him to end up. If it wasn't going to be Montreal, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a Sun Belt team, which is a darn good thing, right? So oh, yeah. now he just needs to start scoring more goals. Got sports cards. Good evening to you. Late to the show, but that is all right. Thank you for joining us. I'm just, Mike. I'm just going to scan the the final comments here, and then I do want to, you know, maybe I'll just jump right in. I want to talk a little bit about volumes and print runs. Mm. And a lot of people always want to know how many of this were printed, how many cases of that were available. Young guns, everyone's always speculating how many Connor McDavid young guns were printed. Mike, how many Connor McDavid young guns were printed? Seven. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to answer. <laughs> why, why don't you guys publish that information or make it known to the hobby? We... Uh, we- Again,
0: just being honest, we're we're uh, we're a private company, and you know when you when you talk about print runs and and volumes and things like that, that directly correlates with our revenues, and that's just something that, as a private company, we just don't share. Um, and uh, it's it's I,
1: I, I don't mean this that's to sound wrong. We're, it's it's privileged information. It's really just. Let me just let me just throw in this. But you do announce it on the cup. We know exactly how many base cards there are, how many RPAs. You know, mm-hmm. you we know how many Young Guns exclusives there are. So you know, in that, why why on some products do we know and on some we don't? What's the difference between the cup and Upper Deck Series One and Series Two? I
0: think the cup's a little. Uh, it's a fair question. I think the cup is a much different animal, though. Everything in there is really numbered, low numbered that's kind of the basis for the product right it's the reason for being we do everything you know it's the it's the cup it's the it's it's the ultimate right well that's the wrong word to use it's the it's the you know it's the highest level and um you know so everything's numbered in there and you know to varying degrees but uh that that product is kind of it is what it is it you know and if anybody's doing math on that it that doesn't fluctuate year to year but a lot of our other products do uh, and you know and there's the 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 biggest issue besides the proprietary nature of it is that you know one of the things that's beautiful about this hobby is what what you may think is limited i may not or vice versa you may think you know geez we're at a point now where people think 99 is too many right but i may think that that's super limited so you know it's it's the beauty of i i always love to use the word perception you know it's uh, the People have different perceptions of different things, and that's actually part of the fun. Let people try to figure it out. Let tr- people try to speculate. Let people try to think about what it is. I'm not going to lie to you, though. We'll never – we're not going to ever give that up. That's just <laughs> – we can't do that. <laughs> we'll oh. you, we're going to keep you guessing, my friend. But, uh, but you know, there are years where they're greater than others. But uh, listen – you, you know, we talked about it earlier. I, I worked at FLIR in the 90s, and I can tell you as, as hot as that stuff is right now, one thing that those things were, were, were not is short printed. And uh, so, you know, if you if you were looking at it now, you'd think that stuff was super rare. They didn't make a lot of this, but th- none of that stuff was all that rare. You know, 2001 Upper Deck Golf, you know, you, now, you look at boxes now are a couple hundred dollars a piece. That was not a rare product, I can tell you that for a fact. So
1: that was a 7-Eleven product, I remember.
0: Yeah, it's it's all relative, and um, you know what what a lot of people think is, is uh is too much of a product, you know. Uh to other people may not be, and and, and over time it all bears out, but uh yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, that, that's not gonna change.
1: Yeah, oh no, and I yeah. don't expect it to, but I just know that people want to know, so it's yeah. great that we can hear it from you tonight. Yeah. I do appreciate that. Six-one Oilers. Nugent Hopkins with his second goal of the night. Uh, kick down. I'm just gonna. I'm not kick down. I didn't roast you, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna roast you again. But I am gonna say that you know, as Mike explained, if you are, if if you alienate one player, these players talk to each other. You know, it's a bigger issue than just one player. So if a player doesn't want to work with Upper Deck, then peace out. It doesn't work that way, unfortunately. And I think I think that's what what the hobby. Some collectors. Yourself. You just. You just don't understand until you hear it from someone like Mike. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Mike? I do. And I think it's
0: important to note. Look, if a guy is uh, if a guy is a notoriously bad signer, we don't put him on checklists anymore. We try to weed him out, right? Like you learn, and you know, for us, we got to take a look at that and learn from from the hit from the past, right? You know, the old saying: if you don't, you know, you don't learn from the well, past, you're going to repeat it, right? So, so, uh, so
1: it actually applies in that in that situation. Applies. So
0: you know, but then there are guys, you know, some pretty big names, and I'm not going to throw any players under the bus, but like, there's some guys who are just terrible signers and, but they're great players and collectors want them. And they ask us, you know, why isn't this person in the set? So sometimes we got to go out there and just bite the bullet and get them and and just pray. They're going to return the cards. And thankfully in many instances, as the players have, have gotten older, they get a little bit more of a sense of responsibility and they send them back. You know, these kids are younger. We're asking them to sign a lot of cards, right? It's a lot. And, uh, and they're busy and they're trying to learn the game and learn how to, you know, be a member of, uh, in, you know, learn the league and, and, uh, it's, it's a lot, it's a heavy weight on these kids. So then, you know, they want in their downtime, they want to chill out and they don't want their responsibility of signing cards. As weird as that sounds to all of us seems pretty easy, but at the end of the day, you know, some of these guys are, are just have that more of a sense of, of that responsibility than others. And, uh, as, as players get older, sometimes you find that, that they feel more responsible about that and they get them back. So but we, you know, we'll 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 take guys off the list and keep them off if they're really bad signers consistently, for sure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I, that, that's great to hear. And then kick down, I, you know, you're right on that. Like, peace out if you're not going to sign. We're not we're going to stop adding you. And hopefully, Upper Deck is able to identify those problem signers as early as possible. Here's a here's a this this question cracks me up. It's from my good man Rodman Martinez, a humongous Michael Jordan collector. Is there a possibility of co-producing a product with Panini? to bring MJ and LeBron autos back to the market.
0: So I told you that I would never lie, right? I'm going to tell you the truth, even though you may not want to hear it. The answer on that one is no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <honest>. I figured. <laughs> and I think I think Rodman probably knew the answer to that before he, uh, before he put it up there. So, okay. Um, you know, uh, I was going to, back to print runs, I was going to ask you, like, do you fluctuate them every year? But I think you you outlined that earlier on in the episode when we talked about your planning for the year. You look at the macroeconomic conditions when you're planning your year. So yeah, you're obviously going to plan your production based on that. So I don't think we need to get into that any further. I kind of answered my own question there. Okay, we're at the hour 50 minute mark here, Mike. So I think we can uh, deviate away from my notes. I've gone through guys out in the audience thank you everyone for joining by the way tonight great viewership tonight i appreciate all of you guys being here i'm sorry if i didn't get to your comment your question i there were a lot there i got through as many as i can we are going to uh we're now going to move in to what i like to call the sports cards live five there mm-hmm. it is up on the top of the screen So right now we're gonna go through five questions with Mike, learn a little bit more about him. He's the executive vice president of sales and marketing at Upper Deck as you guys may or may not know by now if you joined late. Also, I'll take a quick second to say, thanks to all the subscribers on YouTube. We're almost at 2,300 subscribers. Pretty awesome, thanks to all of you. Subscribe if you haven't yet, hit the thumbs up button if you've enjoyed the show tonight or any older show. And if you haven't enjoyed the show tonight, hit the thumbs up button, still. All right, Mike, Sports Cards Live 5, First question for you is what is your favorite card in your personal collection? Mm-hmm. Oof. Well, I, 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 uh, I have, I have a few, a lot of
0: them are, are, I, I do have some vintage baseball. Um, I don't know that I have a, a favorite in that. I just, I, I love, I love the history of baseball. And with that, I love vintage baseball cards, but my, my, my pride and joy in my personal collection, I have, um, I have an MJ Jambalaya from EX 2001. That's probably my obviously for personal reasons uh but also I I just think it's one of the coolest cards and I and I'm very appreciative of how important that card has become in the industry. But I I told you I collect uncut sheets, so I have I have can I show you something? Please. Yeah. Darn, darn straight you can. I I don't know I don't know how many people probably have one of these, but this is kind of a cool thing. Um,
1: can you see that on there? Oh, I can see that. Rodman, check that out.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's got, it's got Kobe here at the wow. top. Uh, I know MJ's on here somewhere.
1: You're getting uh, fingerprints on Kobe.
0: Uh, well, yeah, that's not
1: good,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that, I, this, this has a special, special place for me. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, and I, I told you, I collect uncut sheets, so I like real oddball stuff like that. And, you know, I had obviously working on that team I had access to that stuff so I was pretty fortunate but uh, I when I when I'm uh when I'm searching around on eBay for stuff I a couple times a week I always plug in on cut sheets see what comes up and every now and then most of it's nothing great but every now and then something comes up and I'm like oh man I got to have that uh, Yeah.
1: That, that that was very cool man okay question number 2 what's your what's number 1 on your want list right now of something you will end up acquiring ooh um, Hmm. I I
0: I just got I just got it actually. Um so I got I need a new number one but I I won and I and believe it or not I got this the, the week before the Super Bowl. Uh but I did get uh I got an autographed Brady jersey. Oh. Um so uh that it's not a card uh but that was something that I wanted to get and I and I got it. I finally pulled the trigger before the super bowl because i knew if i waited and somehow he won it was going to cost me a lot more money so i'm kind of proud of the fact that i thought to do that right before then and yeah. it worked
1: <laughs> okay number 3 where is your favorite place to buy cards hobby shop nice Can't good answer be- good yeah. number 4 this yeah. this, is, this is a question that is you know i ask these questions of of most of my guests you know whether you're a industry insider a passionate collector or a content creator and uh, but you know, being someone who can actually make a difference, I want to know if you could change one thing about the hobby. What would it be? Hmm. Wow. Um,
0: if I could change one thing about the hobby, what would it be? I think I would. I, I, if I could, if I could do anything, it would be a toss-up between getting rid of redemption cards and eliminating scammers, uh, whether it be. You know, card trimming, switching out patches, counterfeits. Um, You know, there's this proliferation. I'm sure you and your your viewers have seen them on eBay of all these reprints of of iconic cards. You know, we I I have someone who, almost a full time job, scanning those, scanning eBay to get you know get eBay to get those things off of uh, off of off the network. Um, Those are uh, off the top of my head. Uh, those are two things that, I, if I could change anything, I probably would change. If you gave me some time to think about that, and I come on again, and you ask me, I'll
1: I'll have some more. Well, you mentioned two there. I would I would argue that your second one is much more important to get rid of, being the scammers and the and the fraud versus the the redemptions. We can. Well,
0: one is a, one is as a manufacturer, and one is just as a as a collector. And yeah, fair. yeah, I, I, think. I
1: appreciate I appreciate both. I'm just if I had to pick one, it would be the second one for yeah. sure. And finally, uh, what is your biggest hobby regret? Per- a purchase you made, a, a a sale you made too early, or anything else that comes to mind? I, 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 it, <laughs> a product I had, you okayed? I don't know. I had uh I had a
0: box of. I had a sealed box of uh 93 SP baseball uh at, that I got in 93 when it released and uh held on to it, held on to it. And you know, as the 90s were closing out, it was you know, it was obviously getting to be a hotter box. And I I sold it. Uh I sold it before I went to work for Upper Deck. And uh and man, I when I see what those clothes for now, it makes me pretty nauseous. Yeah. So that, that's probably uh that's probably, it's probably going to be tough to beat that.
1: Yeah, for sure. On Un- Unopened stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I remember, I remember being at the national in 2008 or nine, I bought a pack of 86 Fleer, Jordan, the Jordan 86 Fleer for $300. Now it's like, I don't know, six grand, something like that. i same, you know, bought some other packs that have just exploded in value. And, you know, you go back you think, why did I have to have one of every year? Why can't I just have, you know, loaded up on that one important year. But hey, we all have those regrets when we go back in time. Couple couple down was like, whoa, you know, oh, snap when you showed your uncut sheet, right? Amit says every collector out there, just their heart just beat, skip the beat. Rodman wants me to show my jambalaya. I, I'm not going to tonight, Rodman. I have other cards to show uh, when I do my card of the day. I do have one of those as well, though, Mike. I'm very a uh, proud owner of one as well. And it's nice to know the guy who created the brand or, Was you know was behind that brand at that time. That's super cool, man. One thing
0: that I think your your viewers would get a kick out of, um, and this is this is a true story. So in the first year, EX Well, the first year I worked in EX was EX two thousand. What I just showed you, Uh, and there was a there was a baseball and a football. I I built hockey. Hockey was built. It was uh, don't
1: tease us like this.
0: Yeah, this the set was the set was was built not not produced. No, into the printing, but the set in principle and in concept was built. The inserts were named. The checklist was done. And then Fleer didn't renew the hockey license. Right. The EX 2000 hockey was officially in our system to be produced. And it just never, it never
1: came to be. So were there jambalayas?
0: No, that came the year after. Okay. That was 97, 98, but, uh, but there was going to be an EX 2000 hockey. Uh, I, Believe even John Leclerc was going to be on the box because back then he was he was pretty popular.
1: Yeah, uh, Legion you know, of Doom
0: deal with him, and uh, it
1: just never made it to the
0: market, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Okay. Doctor Full says that should be framed again. Your uncut sheet. Let's see if anyone just let's show that uncut sheet one more time, pretty quick here, Mike. That was truly an that's just a relic, an artifact, if you will. When's there going to be a brand called Upper Deck Relics?
0: <laughs> I think another company has a trademark on that word.
1: That is that is that is a spectacular piece, guys. I don't know if you...
0: There's MJ. He's down into the uh, to the left of of Kobe there. Yeah. But if you if you notice, I, I, you can't really see it. But if if I go real close, like right here, you see within him this Scotty Pippen. Now this this is bent up like that. Yeah. You, that what I was talking about was um, w- w- when I was talking earlier about the damages uh, when the first run came out, that was everywhere. And it was chipping everywhere, and you, you know those cards chip pretty easily, as I'm sure your viewers know. Even the the finished cards, but it, these are stellar compared to what was that first run that came out. It was an embarrassment, and uh, it was really
1: close to never happening. Well. Good thing it did. It's a it's a great set, and that's a that's a really cool uh, a really cool piece you have there. Uh, Dr. Doctorful says scammers trimmers should be punished by paper cuts with reprint cards. I like get <laughs> pretty, pretty funny, pretty funny. Um, and uh, Mike says Jeremy ask just one question with Upper Deck football. Just one. If you have a question about Upper Deck football, I will be happy to ask it. Mike, shoot it out there, and we can do that. Mike, let's move now to what I like to call my PC card of the day. This is where I'm going to show a couple of cards to you in the audience that are sort of related to you, my guest. You're uh, an Eric Lindros fan. Yeah. I'm going to show three Eric Lindros cards that I have. I made sure to only show upper deck cards. I did have a tops card, but I didn't pull it out for you today. I'll start off with the Philadelphia Flyers card. This is the upper. This is the Opeechi from 2012-13. The black and white. These are really tough. Yeah. Very Remember cool.
0: Remember these? Yeah. Sure got that's really cool
1: yeah these are these are really cool they've got that that rippled sort of uh borders going on and these were i believe in i believe they were easter eggs really tough to find so anyway i want to show you that one i am going to show you a jambalaya this is from 2012 13 i believe it says eric lindros in a rangers uniform jambalaya that that always kills me too that should never have happened but yeah yeah rangers ranger uniforms rough it's yeah. Rough. It's rough. And finally, from the inaugural year of the cup 0506, the cup, the base set patch parallel out of 10 when Eric Lindros was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah,
0: that, I that, that I that I'm fine with because you know he's a you know Toronto Kid. Like that that
1: makes sense. Like that, I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I think great cards. These are all in my personal collection, they are not like available or tradable or anything like that. I love them all. So that's awesome. It's good stuff there. Um, okay. We're going to do a couple final questions here. I'm just going to uh, quickly throw up the overtime banners. We're over two hours right now, but that's okay. We'll go for about five more minutes, Mike, and then I will let you go. No problem. Um, so I want to bring up, uh, yeah, Andy Max says his wife will take that sheet. No problem. Mike says, okay, are we going to see new upper deck football products, either high school or CFL? Thank you. What can you let us know?
0: Well, CFL, uh, we're licensee to the CFL, so um, you know we did put out a set for 2020, even though there wasn't a season. Uh, but we fully expect to do uh, 2021. Um, you know, that's a, that's always a fun product for us to uh, to build. Little little challenging with no season this year. You think? Uh, Jersey wise, <laughs> oh. photography wise. What uh, about interest? What about interest wise? Like market-wise. Look, we don't, um, one of the, we don't, we don't produce CFL. It's not a huge revenue generator. That's no secret. Right. But, uh, but it's kind of a cool thing to have in the portfolio. We're, we're, um, you know, as a, as a, as, as a company that prides itself on our hockey products, it's also nice to be able to, in addition to the, to producing NHL cards, you know, we have CHL, new team Canada. Um, it's a nice package to have those other things that are important to Canadian sports to have CFL as part of our portfolio.
1: Okay. So there you go, Mike here. And I'll be honest, I'm just not interested in it myself. That's why you don't get much engagement out of me, but that's all right. We all approach this differently and have our own interests and, uh, and what really turns our crank. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah.
0: We, we, and yeah, Just one last thing we do. Uh, I don't know about a standalone um, football set, uh, you know, anytime soon, but we do uh, pepper in, some football players in Goodwin. Um, you know, we I know uh, Joe Burrow was in last year. Um, You know, we may have some things in store for this year.
1: Just like you do, MJ and LeBron too, right? Yep. Yep, makes sense. Doctor Full says I'm from New York. It feels it always feels funny to see the aged big time stars in a different jersey. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Like Ray Ray Bork and anything other than Boston, right? It just kind of doesn't doesn't really. Look right a lot of the time. I'm sure there's. I still to this day I have trouble with Gretzky in a Ranger uniform. Yeah. Just, uh... How about a St. Louis Blues uniform?
0: Yeah, I mean that was like yeah, that's that's weird. But there's something unique about that because it was so short. The Ranger, I don't know, it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, Ryan says thanks for the show, guys. Thank you, Ryan, for tuning in. Uh, Etienne wants to know checklists for artifacts will come up when. Uh, do you have any insight into that, or maybe Chris can take that in the background in the chat you talking about for the draft
0: redemptions because the checklist should be out for a while
1: I- yeah products yeah. out checklist should be out. i don't know it's okay um anyway guys listen it's been a great show mike uh thank you so much for your candid responses to the challenging questions for and just for your uh your general uh you know demeanor it's been real. it's been a pleasure to have you tonight um so i want to thank you thank upper deck for ha- for having you here and uh, thanks for thanks, Chris Carlin, for handling some of the comments in the chat tonight. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Um, any final comments? Shoot them in right now. We're going to end this thing in about a minute here. And Mike, I'll uh, uh, Brent Criswell says great, Joe. Thanks, Mike, for all your insight. Mike, we'll go to you for some final comments. Kickdown says thanks to you as well. I, I will let you jump in here. Final <laughs> comments from you, Mike.
0: Well, I, I appreciate the fact that you do this. Uh, I am uh, very appreciative. That you uh, you you have me on. Uh, I I there's I, I could as you could tell. I like to talk. I love talking about the hobby. I love talking about cards. I'm a lot like you in that way. And uh, you know, I, to be able to do this as my job is a blessing, right? Like, so I love doing this. So I'm happy to do it anytime. Uh, I'm glad that that your listeners uh, enjoyed it. And um, you know, I, I appreciate all the support and I appreciate the support of Upper Deck. And I promise you that. Uh, we have some, some really, really, really cool things and exciting things in store for the rest of this year that, um, you know, maybe down the road, uh, if you'll have
1: me, I'm, I'm happy to come back and talk
0: about as we get further down the road.
1: Oh yeah. We'll definitely have you back, Mike. I, I, I I thank, thank you for offering for sure. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, Chris from house of Jordan says great episode guys. Thank you, Chris. Etienne wanted to know for the rookies, maybe, uh, maybe, um, Chris can handle that. Uh, Joe, thank you very much for thinking we had a cool show tonight. There's Players' Choice out of Kelowna, BC. Jason, thank you very much. Uh, And Dr. Full says, thank you, Mike, for a confidence boost for the hobby. That's a really nice comment, Doctor. Very nice comment. Unlucky Breaker says, what's the – okay, we're done with – we're kind of moved past that. Thanks, Unlucky, but we're a little past that right now. Draft – there we go. Carlin, lets everybody know the draft. Redemption list on artifacts will come out in the next two weeks. Okay, everybody, check us back out in about 20 minutes. I will be coming back live on the channel with Adam Gray, the editor-in-chief of the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. We're going to tell you how to subscribe to that in a couple of minutes. Well, in about 20 minutes when we're back live, we're going to come at 10.30 my time, 12.30 Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. That will be happening shortly. So come check that out. We're going we're gonna to keep on going because who wants to stop right now? Andy Cap, thank you very much. Etienne, thank you so much. Andy Mac wants to know if Upper Deck is hiring. Always. Always. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, everybody. Thank you, Kelly Winters. We are going to sign off. Mike, hang tight right there. Everybody else, we'll see you shortly on After Hours. Thanks, everybody. Seeking the truth never gets old.